1: Welcome to Brother Date, mailbag edition. I'm Matthew.
2: I'm Judah. We should jump right into the mail, right? Because uh, we, we have a feature today. We prepared a segment! A feature? Uh, so here's the mailbag. Um, if you want to send us any mail, by which I mean tweet at us. Yeah. I mean, you could send us mail, but don't. Tweet it. Uh, tweet at us at Brother Date. Um, on July 6th, uh, Marjan wrote, At Brother Date, hashtag at the library and the like still resonate with me. One item on my California bucket list is to hang out at the tracks at Christie Road. So that's gonna be a fun weekend for you, dog. Hanging out at railroad tracks in Berkeley.
1: Yeah, dude, they're not even in Berkeley, they're in like Martinez. It's not great.
2: Oh it's super cool. There's nothing What's cooler than going to Martinez and doing nothing?
1: When she said that, I tried to look up stuff around it, and I couldn't find a single thing. As far as I can tell, it Martinez is, is not on the Earth. It's off the. It's off the Earth.
2: Maybe you can kick a can or something. Ugh. I mean, smoking weed would be the most Green Day experience possible. I'm not. I'm but, not
1: gonna do it. I won't smoke a drug. I never. I'm not gonna smoke any drugs. Okay.
2: That's right. You and I don't smoke drugs for the same reason, and we will leave that as an exercise to the listener.
1: I'm. I'm a rosemary ram. I am the best in town.
2: We don't do drugs or put others down. Unless you take... Them. I have to say that I have failed a little bit on that last pledge.
1: Well, especially if you consider me saying I'm the best in town as kind of a put-down to everybody else.
2: That, that is, It is problematic in that sense, <clears throat> in that it does sort of contain a put-down.
1: Yeah. They didn't think that. Our so.
2: s- school motto?
1: It was, I don't know, it was just a weird um, like, cult rhyme that we all had to recite together, because we were cultists.
2: It's like the kind of things we would shout, we would chant in a dugout if we were a softball team.
1: Yes. Like, but all together in the softball auditorium. Right. For assemblies. But softball assemblies. I go to
2: the softball auditorium. For softball I assemblies? should check out San Jose State's softball schedule. I know it won't come around again until the spring. but
1: They do play it. My the school that i went to i like college
2: softball i can't imagine that i wouldn't enjoy that
1: yeah, i agree that's the good stuff
2: did your school did northeastern not have college softball
1: no they don't have very many sports at all they had hockey yep they got the hockey and uh they got basketballs and soccers and rowings they got rowings because there's a river
2: dog that was all the mail we had what's oh boy, um, what's going on in your world
1: uh, hey, did you read? Do you-, you finished that seventeen seven seventy six story, right?
2: I did finish what football will look like in the future, or seventeen seven seventy six, whichever, whichever one you want to call it.
1: You know, weirdly, I thought that that uh, title was going to end up having some significance because of its uh, because of its well, resemblance to seventeen seventy six.
2: Well, unlike also, the story ends on July fourth.
1: Yeah but like why though
2: of you know
1: it didn't 15, have anything 000, to do
2: 15,000 years america's 15,000th birthday but it doesn't have anything to do with that
1: yeah
2: it's... It's, aside from a one-line explanation that said that america still exists because the people are still the same as they were because they stopped aging
1: yeah this was a and so it's still the same people sci-fi kind of story that was on SB Nation that was posted over a couple of weeks or something. And it was, uh, this guy's story about what football will be like in the future, but really it was like, what will the future be like if there's an imaginary thing that happens where everybody stops aging and dying?
2: Yes, it was very much like that. Uh... Would you describe SB Nation as the type of website where someone makes a, a passionate plea for there to be a college football commissioner? Yes, that's exactly That's right. how I think of that website. That's
1: exactly the right kind of place for that. In fact, I and didn't even begin reading that story till it was a few days in because I only ever look at the college football section of that website. I look at nothing else. Right.
2: So, not ordinarily known for its... Uh, Genre bending postmodern literature.
1: No, I was very confused about it. And again, I think we talked okay. about this. We did the problematic thing where we see each other in between podcasts, but um It is different.
2: It, it makes it very difficult for us to podcast when that happens. It's way unless less we creative. have prepared up to two hours of material. Yes,
1: unless unless something like that happened. Um and so we we were talking about it, and uh, I think they they just had to keep coming back to like the future football stuff because otherwise they couldn't find a way to rationalize putting it on SB Nation. If it was just a straight hmm. sci-fi story about the future times, I don't I don't know how they would have been able to pull that off.
2: And yet, to me, the, all of the weird football variants that are showcased in that were the interesting part of the story.
1: Mm, yes, I mean I liked. I like the idea of them. And I think I already told you that it's only a matter of time before people start dying, playing a version of some dumb foot future football game where you have to go over a mountain or whatever mm-hmm. to score, to score the footballs. Um,
2: because the end zone is Nebraska,
1: right? And or the, something It started in Utah or whatever. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time before people start dying and, and things like that. So that, I mean, that part was interesting. It's good world building for sure on our rubric. It, the, I mean, it, this thing has to score high on world building.
2: It cr- well, it's almost entirely... It's entirely world building. Yes. All of the three characters are robots, and we don't we don't get to spend much time with them.
1: No. That is correct. It would not score high on characterization. Or, what was yeah. the take? Just the stuff you were saying about how Americans... Americans?
2: No. No, the take is something like...
1: If you're gonna live forever, how, how do you cope?
2: Yeah, what do you do to pass the time? Like, how do you face down eternity?
1: Right. That's not bad. That would score okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not terrible. Like,
2: are, are human beings equipped to handle the notion of eternity? And, I mean, the central premise is that, essentially, people would get up every day and do more or less the same shit they do today, because what else are you going to do?
1: Yeah, you got to have something to do.
2: Right, so uh, it's an interesting. I think it's less interesting than his previous work, the Tim Tebow CFL Chronicles,
1: which I still have not read, but I will. I promise. well, I
2: recommend it. It's more of a story.
1: All right, so that's more of a and story than this.
2: Although it's not conclusive, a possible prequel.
1: Oh, you think there's a possibility that these are in the same universe?
2: Well, I'll tell you, it wraps up around the year 2028, and there are some interesting thoughts at play.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll jump into it. I will. I'll jump into it even before I jump into that Japanese show you keep trying to get me to watch.
2: Yeah, because you're the king of sons of bitches.
1: What's the name of the show again? J- Japan-style it's, culture? It's called Japanese.
2: It's, it's called Japanese-style originator. Oh, I
1: was so close! <laughs> it was really it's close. It's on
2: Netflix. And it is a fucking delight.
1: I will watch it. I just the problem is sometimes I'm not in the mood to read the subtitles because I want to do something on my computer while I watch TV. Because I'm uh, a spoiled bastard.
2: It is the only thing I love in the world. <laughs> and I've watched all of the episodes and I'm sad. And then I watched all of Samurai Gourmet and then I watched all of Midnight Diner Tokyo stories. So I have gone on a whole Japanese TV shows arc on Netflix.
1: Are you just going to watch some animes now? Watch some animes now. Watch some animes and um, so I can hear your thoughts on some animes. Because sometimes I'll, tur- t- I'll scan by and there will be an anime on it. Watch- do you
2: want to talk about Cowboy Bebop? It's oh. the only anime I ever did see.
1: What are your thoughts on Cowboy Bebop? How long do we have?
2: Uh, I like the ending theme song, The Real Folk Blues.
1: Oh. Is it better than the Record of Lodos War theme song? No, it's not, is it?
2: I, it's very hard to say. They're extremely <laughs> different. Okay. I mean, it's not. Too, it's not in English and Italian, so how do you feel about that?
1: Too dissimilar to compare. I get it. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I haven't been up to much. It's just uh, just working and doing doing my thing. Doing two things.
2: That's cool. You introduced me to a restaurant that gave me bad food poisoning. What? Mhm.
1: Was it uh uh Golden Corral cuz I didn't introduce you to that.
2: Mm, no, I I'm going to choose not to say the name of the restaurant. You think they but might be listening. You know which one. You know which one. Oh. Um because it happened Saturday.
1: Wait, the one we went to? Yeah. Oh. I felt fine afterward. Did you eat? Oh,
2: that's cool. I spent the whole weekend pooping. <laughs> Just all of it.
1: It makes me laugh a little bit. Not because I feel bad for you, but
2: And I took so much Pepto-Bismol that I pooped a charcoal briquette.
1: Yeah, I know. That's weird. I don't know, I felt did anyone did Mom do you know if Mom we went out with with our mother as well. Do you know if she was okay?
2: She hasn't said any anything.
1: Okay. Alright. Well, me and but like, I, fine. I had
2: to double park and use her bathroom when I dropped her off. <laughs> it
1: was, it was a, you were taken short? It was an emergency?
2: It was, a, it was an extremely bad scenario, yes.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. I think everybody else made it out okay, so that's that's too bad.
2: Yeah, we all ate the same food, too. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, but right. it's like, if it, if it wasn't them, the only other thing I ate that day were a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I made myself and an apple.
1: Oh, that apple was poison. And I don't want
2: to live in a world where an apple can do that. That
1: me? apple was straight poison. It was half poison. The whole middle of it was a molten poison center. Don't you I remember when it, like, tripled into your mouth? Do you remember no. the poison just kind of dripping back there?
2: Yeah, it might have been a Sleeping Beauty scenario. Yeah, it was a worm, But, you know, pooping it. pooping beauty. <laughs> It's a shorter term, but much more unpleasant curse.
1: Also, I think it's really going to catch on uh, culturally. Snow White,
2: you're... right? It's actually Snow White is the one with the poison Snow apple. Snow White
1: eats the apple, but it's fine. It's going to catch on. A lot of people are going to talk about no, wait. a pooping beauty. Which
2: one? Ah, shit, I don't know.
1: It's Snow White. dog. Pooping Snow beauty. White eats an apple, right? I think Sleeping Beauty... I haven't uh... seen
2: either one of those. If she, I remembered because she pricks her finger on a spindle, and I did not know what a spindle was. Um... Or what a spinning wheel did.
1: I'll tell you what I remember. I remember this
2: one song.
1: That's what I remember about it. That guy has got one song. He's gonna sing it. That's cool. He's gonna. He's gonna. And he'll pick the song. That guy was okay. It was Prince Sting. It was Sting. Prince Sting. And he was
2: Prince Sting in the fortress around your heart. Like super extended option three video. <laughs>
1: That's right. And he like hops over her fence and he's like, I saw a beautiful lady and I came to introduce myself because I'm a fucking creeper, even though she was clearly trying to run away from me. And I just would not I'm let for, her.
2: I'm for sure going to watch that again after, uh, after so we're I... done doing this nonsense. No, you know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to watch the fortress around, around your heart option two video.
1: <laughs> they hired a PI to find him.
2: It's a great little mini movie. Yeah, hey, know that where he is. one wants a jack off video from Sting.
1: I know where he is. He's in his condo. He never leaves.
2: Yeah, he's he's in his. It looks like a loft. He's up in his loft yeah. with his midget pal. Yes,
1: you don't need a PI to find him. He's always <sighs> he's there. Wallpapering
2: it. He's wallpapering it with the money that he gets from rich women who need JO material.
1: Yes, if he he stays in there because if he goes outside, someone will throw money at him and make him do things in front of a camera. Yeah. And he doesn't like that.
2: Anyway, he's gonna he'll he's agreed to record one song, but he gets to choose. That's right.
1: I really like the idea uh, of Prince Sting uh, and Snow White, though. I'm gonna I'm going that music
2: video. Matthew is every dream sequence we've seen so far in Star Trek. <laughs> yes, someone it is. thought they were doing something amazing.
1: Doc, I had some bonkers dreams last night. I don't even I don't even know if I can talk about them. They were so bonkers. Well, I had a dream because... that I was a All waiter. Right. <laughs> I was a waiter at a restaurant, and mm-hmm. I had a very stressful shift. I guess that's not that bonkers. Okay, I also dreamed that, okay, I, that, was, not that wild. I was on stage at a, on a in a high school play, and some lady in the audience kept making jokes at my expense, and I was very embarrassed.
2: Well, that actually happened when you were in Hello, Dolly.
1: I also had a dream that Dad died. Oh well, I had a lot of weird dreams. Yes,
2: that I, I don't want to go into it, but <laughs> Mom thinks that's coming.
1: I just i had a, I had a lot of weird dreams last night. Wait, wait am I? You saying I'm Prussian? Are you saying I'm Prussian?
2: Mm, you're pr- at least a little bit Prussian. Okay, I'd have to load up twenty three and me to see if you were more or less than me. <laughs> I think you're more. I think you got more French and German than I did.
1: Yeah, you know that's that fucking pointy helmet nonsense right there. Stab you mm-hmm. with my hat.
2: That's what they say.
1: Stabby hats. All right, we're wasting a lot of time. We prepared a segment.
2: We are. So, uh, two weeks ago, we did another mailbag. Yeah. And as as usual, as soon as we were done recording the podcast, we had a much more entertaining conversation.
1: Yeah, where well, we actually like got in there and fucking mixed it up, and covered <laughs> some issues, some real issues, made compromises, but, and agreed to disagree. Uh,
2: yes. But it was about... Uh, uh, well it was about old green day so yeah i ran you through an exercise where i just would play a random green day song and see how long it took for you to name it and the average i would say was about 1.2 seconds
1: it was a green day name that tune
2: particularly for the two early albums that, that came before dookie
1: yeah, all, all my time with Marjan has made it so that those are the albums I recognize much easier now. she them. Right. well, she
2: just tweeted about the song at the library. Oh so. yeah, we
1: should have talked about that. She was talking about a Green Day song.
2: Yeah, that's a Green Day song. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> by chance, the very last one we listened to um, starts in kind of a, a fun way, and it got us talking about... Uh. Well... It, one of us asked the hypothetical question: "What's the best track one?" Yeah, what's well, like on the, an album?
1: The best way ever to just open up a record, and not even that—the best opening song. Because rap albums, they do weird things sometimes,
2: really. Right. And as usual, when one of us proposes a stupid project, we just have to do it.
1: <laughs> just have to jump right in, and we jumped in and too. There was no like, "Ah, oh, we'll get around to it eventually." It was just like straight nope. into list-making mode.
2: Nope. Yep. I just just, oh here I'll oh, just load up iTunes and look at every track one from every record. Yeah. Um and I compiled an initial list of uh seventy just based on my recollection of them and then over over the course of uh about a week winnowed them down. Mm-hmm. And your list started out bigger, right?
1: It was one hundred and fourteen. I remember while you were making your list, I was trying to edit this pod show. And I was yes. extremely jealous that I wasn't making a list.
2: Yes. And well, list making is in our blood it, <laughs> an extre- to an extreme degree. I'm surprised that didn't come up in 23andMe. <laughs> yeah, right. It would have said, like, more likely than 94% of the population to make a list.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have been, like, right up there with how fucking f- fucking chromagnin I am or whatever it says.
2: It should have said it's right right here on chromosome 21. You know how to use conditional formatting in Google Sheets. Yeah,
1: uh, what do we agree? Ten? Top ten? We each were going right. to present a top ten of uh, our top track ones. Now, so so records used to be knew, old we... school. And they'd have yes. two sides. And only side one track one counts for this. No side two track one. That's yes.
2: No shit. Well, because it would have been... Like, there's no way to just look at a list in iTunes and go, Oh, song five on this record is track one of side two. Song yeah. seven on this record is... It's like it's just not... That would be hard. It's too much research. And in fact, you went deeper than me because I just excluded everything that I only had in a greatest hits. I ended up. Excluding but you actually looked at some of those to see which ones were number ones on their original albums. Yes. I as a result in
1: my original one fourteen and then gradually excluded yeah. almost all of them, I think.
2: But as a result, your are uh, well, for several reasons, your list skews a lot older than mine. Yeah. Um, anyway, we held we held a draft a few days ago. That's right. Because I mean, we would right, have some, some overlaps.
1: Interpod stuff that you guys didn't get to, to hear. That's right. We probably should have recorded that.
2: I mean, we, oh, how Inside Baseball would recording that draft have been. It was fascinating. Plus, we couldn't have released it until after this podcast.
1: Obviously, yeah. So these spoilers. Um, uh,
2: so, just before we dive into the music, what... What were you looking for? What makes a good track one for you?
1: This was something I kind of gradually was figuring out as I was putting together the initial list is what, what, what was really having the impact on my decision. And it wasn't just what is a really good song that is also track one. A lot of it was, is this a cool way to start a record? Like, are we getting into it? Is this like going to make me want to listen to the rest of this record? A lot of it was how well does it fit with the rest of the record, you know. If we're listening to like a cool concept album where track one really uh, sets up some of the other stuff, you know, I, I found myself leaning toward stuff like that a little bit more. Or even was the album good or was the album shite? Like if you have one good song and it's track one and then the rest of the album's not very good, that didn't feel like that made it a good track one to me for whatever reason. It was just... uh, So it wasn't just based on what songs are really good that our track ones. It was sort of what's the whole overall fit and feel.
2: Um... Are you an album listener?
1: I used to be. I think we all used to be. All of us of a certain age. Aged like us. In our 30s. Yeah,
2: I mean... Until... Until everyone had uh, iPods and... Probably even after for a while, because everyone was used to it. Mm-hmm. You would listen to an album because making a mixtape is a lot of work.
1: Yeah, and, and those
2: were your two options. And also, people. And I guess you could use the shuffle feature on your CD player, but that that never works.
1: No, and especially because uh, people knew that we were listening to the records as a whole, and so they would design them that way. And so one track yeah. would kind of bleed into another one, and or, you know they yes. had a concept for how they wanted it all to lay out, especially if you got into more of the concept stuff. If you're listening to a Pink Floyd album, listening to it out of order doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know?
2: Right. You're
1: going to just get random bits of random songs, and, and it's going to be a bunch of shit. So, um, So yes, I used to be an album listener, and that's why still many songs, as they end, I have an internal expectation of the song that's going to come next. <laughs> and it never does anymore. Yeah, I do the anymore.
2: same. I, I absolutely do the same.
1: Everything's on shuffle now, so nothing ever follows the way in my brain it's supposed to. But, um... But, yeah.
2: So when... Uh, I am still this way when I get a new record. Um, Which is... I will usually listen to it five or ten times just front to back before I start to, like, part it out onto playlists. right? Um... And I really only have one play. I have two playlists now that I have this track once because the. By the way, it turned out that the full seventy song playlist that I put together is an excellent playlist.
1: I think there's something about the how balanced it is that you could only have one off of each record, and yep, it just you even though you might like five songs off a record or something, it's, it's something about the balance of this playlist I also found to be pretty good.
2: And very, by the way, very few artists started out with. Three or more songs Most of them had two or fewer
1: Yeah, good track uh, ones
2: When yeah. I when I went through this track ones Because it's, you know If your average artist puts out five or six records Yeah Maybe maybe two of them have real strong track ones And the other albums are constructed differently Or you just don't like those songs as much or something
1: Right so Yeah, I um, think it was just a good way I, to balance it
2: Yeah I, f- I found that um, of the songs that I initially picked and listened to and chose for the, sort of the next cut of the list there were like four categories four four reasons that songs were making it through. Okay. Some were making it through just because they were really good songs. Although uh, like you, if the rest of the album absolutely sucked I think that it's not a good track one in that case. Yeah. It's Um, less of a good intro and and more
1: of a, just a good standalone song.
2: And some were making it through because, uh, because they really set the mood for a good album. Right. Like this album is great. And this song is the right way to start this album. Even if it's not a song that makes it to other playlists for me.
1: I agree. Although a lot of mine are also songs that I think were good. Because I I think I had some that just kind of hit every category. And I was like, alright, these are the winners. Yeah, sure.
2: Um, And particularly for the first cut, for the first two playlists that I I made, some songs that just started out really strong made it through. Yeah. Like...
1: Yeah, like track one, verse one. You know? (laughs) Yeah,
2: just the first 15 seconds of the song really did it for me then it it made it through eventually some songs that didn't have anything else going for them kind of got cut um and there were even a couple there were even a couple on that early list where the ending was very strong in a way that set up the rest of the record sure although in general those songs have to be short if that's Really what they have going for them is the way the song ends.
1: Yeah, I mean, the cuts will attend to themselves, right? A song like that that's not that great for three minutes, but then the last 35 seconds are really good. Probably not going to make the final 10, you know?
2: Yeah. So um, we drafted. We made our picks. The draft was in um, case we
1: had overlaps, and of course we had a few overlaps. So was, we had a few. It was a worthy it wasn't, we
2: didn't have. It wasn't that bad.
1: No, I'll say but that, we, we uh, let me see, just looking at your list here without giving away too many spoilers, I think there's four or five on here that I had never heard of. Yeah. And there probably weren't any, maybe one on mine that you'd never heard of, so. uh,
2: uh There was, yeah, there was only one that I'd never heard of. There were four that I didn't own. So I I bought four records as part of this.
1: That's a good way to do it. I'm I'll, I'm going to buy some records too. These records on this list, and, but I'll choose. And, to, I'll choose the record.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'll do. Um. So so, but yeah, there was only one that I hadn't heard of at all. But um, incidentally, probably, uh, uh, probably my favorite of the of the four records I bought, the one that I hadn't heard of. Uh, was my favorite to listen to.
1: It's a really neat record. Well, and we'll get into it. Actually, yeah. we should probably jump in, yeah. and we can start with um. Let's start with some honorable mentions, and I think I'll I'll go first because one of mine is the song that uh, started the whole discussion, which is uh, "Burnout" okay. off of Dookie by Green Day. uh right. just a great opening track where they just jump in, and you're in it, and it it's fits in well with the rest of the record and it sets it up real good and it's short and sweet and they're in and out and I just find, man, that's fucking it's hard to do a lot better than that in terms of how you're going to open up a hard rock album.
2: Um, yep. So, um, let's, let's listen to some of it. Oh, okay.
1: you get the idea there it's uh yeah that it starts off with i declare i don't care no more which is a good way to go and then it's uh short verse short chorus the whole song's like two minutes long maybe so um
2: yeah and uh you have to figure like in so this album came out in uh, either late 93 or early 94 yeah it was definitely out by the my eighth grade graduation um and a bunch of people would have heard long yes. and gone out and bought the record and so this would have been the first thing they heard when they put it on and yeah. uh you're right like it's punctuated with two short drum rolls and then he I declare <laughs> it's like and yeah here we this go is, this is what got us what got us going cuz i said most albums should start with a stated declaration yeah
1: right have a take and don't suck that's the whole point of this podcast is that's be right. declarative and uh yeah so I've always really liked that song just in general, but I never think about it. It's not a song I never no. consider. It's not on any of my playlists. It's I nope. it is somewhere in the back recesses of my brain, but then when I heard it the other day, I was just like, man, that's just like just fucking no, you, rocking you their hear, asses off right there.
2: You never hear man, all those songs on Dookie Longview, Welcome yeah. to Paradise, When I Come Burnout. Around well, right, face. exactly.
1: They had like nine hits off that fucking thing. She was a no one. Radio no hit. one ever.
2: She was a radio hit. No one ever throws uh, burnout in there. But yeah. uh, it is a strong start to the record, and that's what Dookie sounds like. That's exactly With what the, it sounds. I mean, Long View is the exception, basically.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: So it's also kind of a bridge um, in that that sounds more like their earlier work than something like When I Come Around or. Uh,
1: Yes, it has all of the recording and producing qualities of Dookie, and a lot of the songwriting qualities of of Kerplunk and One Thousand Thirty Nine Smooth Out Slappy Hours. So,
2: um, I have an honorable mention that I'd like to play. That's that's very different. So that's that song starts very strong. Yeah, uh, and it's punchy, and it gets you right into the rest of the record. Um, I, in general don't have a lot of tolerance for long intros to songs.
1: Right. In fact, I found that a lot of songs that I eliminated that I kind of liked, I just felt like we're too slow getting into it.
2: Right. Um, but I, I found going through this that I have a little bit of longer tolerance for a long intro into song one on an album. Hmm. Because it's like you're paying a little bit up front to set the tone of the record, yes. and then you're going to have the whole rest of the record after it. Um, but this one, um, just took a little too long to get going to make it on to my final list. Um, it's a, it's a great song and it's from a really seminal record from, I think the same year.
1: It's either 93 or 94 again. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's like right in that same era.
1: This one's cool. Cause it's also an album one track one. That's
2: it is. Fairly. This was the, this was the, this was the debut record. Um, so this is going to be, this is round here, uh, by counting crows.
1: And don't run away, the, the intro is It takes a while before you can even hear it
2: <laughs> Yeah, like if I cranked it way up There's you can stuff hear a happening bit. here Yeah, There you go This is back to roughly where the volume was on the other one
3: Step out the front door Like a ghost into a fog Where no one notices The contrast to white on white and in between the moon and you, angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. While I walk in the air between the rain, through myself and back again, where? I don't know. Maria says she's dying through the door. I hear her crying, why? I don't know. Round here we always stand up straight Round here something radiates We came from Nashville with a suitcase
1: and right So at this
2: point we're about seventy or eighty seconds in and the song's really just getting going. And it, that's the reason why it didn't make it all the way through. Although it made it to the last round,
1: there's some really good. Stuff um, but in that's that song.
2: it's a it's a really great song, and that is exactly what August and everything after sounds like. Yeah. Um. You know, Mister Jones was the hit, and
1: uh, which is the poppiest song on other, the record. And on you'd hear Earth.
2: other songs from time to time on the radio. Yeah. Uh, Rain King, I think was probably the number two was there.
1: Well, I think Round Here had a music video, so I think it was the other... Round Here had a music video. I think it was the other mainstream hit. But yeah, there were other radio hits. Um, And that's a really, really, really good record. I actually, I put that against any 90s alternative record that there is.
2: Yeah, and you know, we uh, we joke about it sometimes and refer to it as average guy music.
1: Oh, the genre is very much average guy music. Yeah, But they absolutely crush uh, but, it on that whole record.
2: Yeah, but that's probably the best exemplar of the genre.
1: Yeah. That's a T-Bone um, Burnett joint, by the way. Really? Yeah. He, he pre-produced that shit.
2: Well, it's a beautiful record, so he did a good job. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever has held the opinion that any member of Counting Crows is a particularly great musician. They're all competent. But it, do you know me, any of their names?
1: They always kind of sounded like Adam Duritz and some studio musicians. Mm-hmm. Meaning meaning exactly what you just said. Competent people who can play the instruments.
2: But I think it's really, it was the same people all along, oh, but yeah. um, he was the focus of that show. Yeah. With his fringed leather jacket and his
1: yeah. white it boy dreads.
2: hard to
1: have a whinier attitude than Adam Duritz has about every single thing. And so it's easy well, to make fun I mean, of for that as well
2: long long december i think is the <laughs> ultimate
1: <laughs> life's hard man life's hard when you're an up-and-coming fucking musician banging all the hollywood actresses and everything it's just tough
2: oh, i'm i'm dating courtney cobb <laughs>
1: life's just so hard sometimes it's
2: very difficult
1: you just want to cry um, uh i got one we can do another unless you got more to say about uh, uh one of the honorable mentions
2: uh No, no, I mean, that's a that's a great song. I just... Uh, it just takes too long to get going for me. All
1: right, why don't we do uh, the first one that's listed on mine for honorable mentions. All right. the uh, first honorable mention? Yeah, and I think we've talked... Yes, and I think we've talked about... um We've talked about this phenomena from time to time where you're just driving down the highway and you hear <laughs> something that you've never heard before on the radio, and I don't think this happens right. much anymore because no one really takes a lot of chances, at least not on the stuff you hear on the radio and you just gotta pull over and listen and tell whoever's in the car with you to shut up for a minute.
2: I mean, there must be something, right? Like, the first time somebody heard Crazy by Gnarls Barkley, that was probably weird for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't happen much anymore. And Great. that anecdote, that or that, that example that I always use, that actually comes from a real anecdote that come from, came from a book about Motown that I read. About people hearing this song. And having to pull off to the side of the road to listen to what was happening.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it was mind-expanding. So, um, I'll get it started. This is uh, this is reach out. I'll be there by the Four Tops. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Just uh, that opening with the fake fucking horse trot clapping, whatever that is. The super dramatic uh, progressions and melodies and so good.
2: I like to think that I like to think that it's like bongos or a tablas or something, but played by somebody with no training in that. Yes. It's like, what can you do with this?
1: I feel like there was a lot of shit just lying around in the basement of Hitsville and they were just playing with it. I always got the feeling that what they did mostly at Motown was just play a little bit.
2: What's amazing about that, um, by the way, is no respect for the meter of the song at all.
1: That's right. Exactly. They'll just
2: correct. say, re- reach out to me when whenever he feels like it.
1: It's, yeah. He's uh, amazing. Levi's amazing.
2: But there's an even wilder version of that that's remastered. Yeah. And uh, I picked the. The other version that I have that's, you know, closer to what they heard. I mean, it's in stereo and not mono or whatever, but, like, that's basically what you would have heard on the radio. Yeah. Um, It is wild, like...
1: Think of this, dude, this is 1967. (sighs) Like, this is before... This is, like, the Beatles have put out a couple of pretty interesting records, but they haven't gotten to their most progressive or anything like that. Like, music is still, for the most part, a lot of teen idols and pretty conservative. And so, just yeah. to hear stuff like this, just I think was expanding for people.
2: I mean, like, like you said, someone someone felt like they had to pull over, but like, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> I, I'm this. gonna need I'm gonna need a little time with whatever's happening here.
1: By the way, great album, uh, the album Reach Out. It's got Seven Rooms of Gloom. Yes, uh, Standing in the Shadows of Love. Obviously, the sister song for Reach Out. I'll be there. It's got Bernadette. Like this was an HDH. Uh, which is an amazing song. This is an HDH tour to force. Like this is Yeah. This record was amazing. So
2: Those those four songs like you could put any other songs on a record and it'd be a great record if it had those four. It's kind of what
1: they did because you could the rest put are, those four
2: songs and then pick five random dead milkmen songs, it'd be a great album.
1: I think the literally the all the other songs on the record, or most of them, are covers. They just walk away Renee. Uh, if I were a uh, By the way, their
2: cover of Walk Away, Renee, and If I Were Carpenter are very good.
1: Yep. Uh, Last Train of Clarksville, I'm a Believer. So it really is like...
2: Ooh, wait. I gotta hear those two. I'll, have, wanna... to get the, I'll have to look those up later. <laughs> yeah. I wanna hear what Levi does to those two monkey songs.
1: Right. So that's kind of what happened. Like, they, they picked some sweet-ass HDH songs, and then they just put it in there with a bunch of whatevers. But still, uh, great record. Obviously sets the tone, everything like that. So almost made the cut, but couldn't couldn't quite crack
2: it. Um, I have an honorable mention from that same era, if not that same year. Okay. Uh, and uh, I think that in the end, the reason that this didn't make the cut is that it sounds bad in the same way as all rolling stones song sound bad (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly little lazy on the execution that's all
2: exactly like it's a good it's a good song yeah and you would think that maybe someone else could do it better although i don't know that anyone ever has i don't think people have generally been successful covering the rolling stones
1: no because the basic idea shouldn't be changed and if you do right. the exact same idea but you like produce it better, people just go, so what?
2: Yeah, it's exactly that's sort of what it is. It's there's nothing wrong, it's all in the execution. Yeah. But if you execute it, you've got a note for note cover. Um anyway, this is um this is Let's Spend the Night Together. So I'll
1: uh, play that.
4: I don't
2: know, Matt. Should I let it go until it gets weird?
1: I I don't know how much time you have for this pod.
2: (laughs) I have time, but this is an honorable mention.
1: Yes, right. It gets weird. I
4: keep thinking it's just about to happen.
2: What is that? That's a
1: Beach Boy shit.
2: You need to us, decided, baby, now. Yeah, I don't
1: know I'm if that was them I'm trying to 10. cash in on the Beach Boys or them mocking the Beach Boys, but that's what it sounded like to me.
2: Oh, I... The only thing that Mick Jacker does is he sneers. Nice. And it's good in fast songs and it's weird in slow songs.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, I had a few Rolling Stone songs on my initial list, and I'm I'm not surprised because track one or not, they're awesome at opening songs. There are a lot of great Rolling Stone songs opening either with a cool riff or a cool idea. Um, yes, they're kind of masters at that. So,
2: and by the way, when you listen to the songs, the parts where someone plays the wrong note or chord are usually at the end. <laughs> That's right. So these guys are not. There's no stamina, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, they're ready to move on to something else. Uh, yeah, wonders. you
2: had you had uh, "Give Me Shelter."
1: "Give Me Shelter" was on on uh, the list, even when it was kind of a smaller list. Um, "Mother's Little Helper" was one of the songs on one of the lists.
2: Um, right, that's from Aftermath.
1: Yeah, so I mean they, they they had some good track ones, and and obviously they always start a song with a bang. Well, the ultimate example we always talk about is uh, uh, "Connection,"
2: right, which starts halfway through the chorus. Yeah.
1: Just awesome. They treat
2: you to the second half of the chorus. Yeah,
1: I think we talked a couple of times last week about how if they had real balls they would have opened a record that way.
2: Yeah, that would have been well, it would have been on my final list for sure. I mean <laughs> yeah. let's be let's be fair, Let's Spend the Night Together almost made the list.
1: That's right. Yeah, it was good, a really good song, and you're right, nineteen sixty seven. So
2: Yeah, I just I just always with the Rolling Stones wish they'd done a little better. Yeah. Just did it just a little better. By and the time by they figure it out, that's that, that stuff? weird bridge in this song spoils it for me too.
1: Yeah, by the time they figured out the recording quality and, and production and all that stuff, they were already so coked out that it didn't matter.
2: Like, yeah, I uh, feel like like "Start Me Up" is the first good sounding Rolling Stone song or something, and by then, who cares? Yeah.
1: All right, uh, my last honorable mention. Boy, we're already we're taking up a lot of time on these honorable mentions.
2: Um, that's fine.
1: Uh, this is another uh, another '90s joint. Um, from one of the bands that, from actually, from the band that is headlining our '90s list, our continuing '90s list to this point.
2: That's right, sitting sitting right up there at the top. S Pups.
1: Yeah, the S the S. <laughs> you always call them the S Pups. I think the first time I said it, I said the S Pumps, but they can be no. the S Pups now. It's fine.
2: <laughs> I've, I probably wrote S Pups down on the list, and I, I like that better. Um, despite uh, the this fact- is from the same year as that Green Day album, and maybe that. Counting Crows song too.
1: I think the Counting Crows. Uh, I think that one have was '93. Yeah, and actually, I think Siamese Dream's '93.
2: No, so really. Is, Maybe it took a second to catch on.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, the number one track from Siamese Dream, which is Cherub Rock.
2: Yeah, I had forgotten about this song, and uh, the way that you don't think about Burnout, like this song had completely escaped my mind. But uh, sometimes it's uh, Cher. I
1: was going to say sometimes. Sometimes this is my. Favorite S Pump song. Like it goes back and forth. It's for one thing. I think it's the most representative example of a of a Smashing Pumpkins song. If you just listen to the guitars and remember that no guitar can make that noise. That's right. (laughs) Ah, good intro.
2: I wouldn't tolerate that on our track two.
1: That's right. Exactly correct. (laughs)
2: This is what, uh, this is, I think, how Sabotage was created. <laughs> I think that's that right, yeah. He wasn't
5: a miss.
1: It's also if uh, Shine was just way more fuzzed out.
2: And a better song.
1: or not uh, the guitar solo
2: is very good
1: since it's an honorable mention
2: um, what this whole album has and this song really exemplifies is the like density of the Smashing Pumpkins guitar sound
1: something is always being played
2: it's and it's so fuzzed out that like when you look at the waveform it's basically just a big fat rectangle. That's right. Like the loudness of the song never varies, and particularly when you listen to this record in headphones, it's it's very intense.
1: Yeah, and then what like they this do is, is not. On top of that, they layer the high pitched buzz during the solos and his wailing.
2: Yes. Um even though this is like a very gentle sound compared to something like heavy metal it's it's hard to penetrate through to listen to the melody when you have it in headphones um, so it, it's very immersive like i almost get the audio equivalent of tunnel vision
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. does that make sense yep oh we're getting into it now In the mud with that
2: guitar solo. At some point, we'll have to do Great. a feature uh about guitar solos. Yes. I have a lot of opinions. And at that point, just remember to ask me why that works, right. but the opening to Eight Miles High doesn't.
1: <laughs> there are so many reasons the opening to Eight Mile High doesn't.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah it's not amazing
2: <laughs> but Again, i mean he like thinks that... the point
1: of a 12 string guitar is to make sure that you're hitting all of the strings just, just keep play hitting. all 12
2: strings don't waste any of your strings um uh on this on this final list, we don't have too many more from the nineties. S- so we have There's a couple more.
1: There aren't a lot on my
2: side for sure. Yeah, um, but my uh, and my, in fact, this final uh, honorable mention that I'm going to play is not from the nineties. It's from the mid two thousands, but it's also from Thailand. <laughs> yeah, and took a while. it captures the spirit of the nineties in uh, in a particularly. Impressive way. And at the end, this didn't make the cut because there just isn't another song on this record that I'm into in the way I'm into this song. I've only even listened to the rest a couple of times. Mostly, I just want to listen to this song over and over again. I agree. This is a song that we saw on the long defunct TV show What's Up Thailand.
1: It will always be near and dear to us. But this is a good song too. It doesn't do it. Imagine and, they're singing in English and this could have been on any KOME
2: playlist. Oh yeah, for sure. This this could have been a hit in the 90s. Uh it's not Fishballs is what I'm going to say. That's right. About this song. Uh it's called Tarsawang. Uh it's by a, the a Thailand's most famous rock band called Modern Dog.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh Dog
1: don't lie, dude.
2: Dog uh, sorry. I think you mean Dog never, dog lie. never lie. Dog never lie. Rock never die. Rock never die. <laughs> um uh it's about uh, it's about Buddhism and the perils of attachment oh. according to the one time I found the lyrics but um uh that doesn't matter it's just it's just super solid, so uh, Tarsa wong. got a solid guitar solo and everything in it too it's yeah. um uh you know the verse they've got the loud quiet loud pixies dynamic going on there but the verses are short and it jumps right back into it
1: yeah um, actually in the- it's just
2: it's a shame it's not in English because it's impossible to sing along with <laughs>
1: that's right yeah you just have to hum hum the tune yeah uh, also as of- uh,
2: also by the way how much better did that uh, song recorded in thailand sound than that rolling stone song i played before that
1: that's right recording technology had uh, proliferated uh yeah. in a, to a, a substantial amount in 2004 um i was going to say that what you were talking about with the short verses leading into the the i guess the chorus um lent it
2: i mean it goes through kind of a transitional bridge before it gets to the chorus but yeah
1: lent it uh, very well to the music video that was that was made for it which we also enjoyed
2: Oh, yeah, by the way, the music video for this is great. They've got some ugly Thai comedian who looks like a Ferengi. (laughs) uh, And he keeps, like...
1: It'll, like, zoom in (laughs) on his face. Is to like it'll gradually right. zoom in so that you can only see his face. and Then when it zooms out, he's changed outfits and it's all in one take. Or and, whatever.
2: The, and the backgrounds changed and the band has changed outfits and stuff. So it's like there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes on this video. Um, but they know you can what they're still, doing. The video's on YouTube. You can find it. They they know how to uh, make a
1: joke though because the you, the last time he changes, you can he doesn't quite get out in time. All the people helping him yes. don't get out in time. You can see like the right, uh, exactly the glycerin being put into his eye so he can shed a tear and stuff like that. <laughs>
2: It's really uh it's good. yeah, it's, it's very good i mean there was a lot of interesting stuff on what's up thailand music wise mm-hmm. um titanium etc sure. but uh this one that song is basically treasure yeah that song in that video so uh it was hard for me to cut it but the fact of the matter is it's it could have been on any position on that record it'd probably be the only song on that record that i listened to
1: yeah, no, I agree. I've listened to it a few times, the record all the way through, and I, there were never any real standout tracks beside that one. So.
2: Yeah, but it cool does song. start well, though. It has a good start. Um, it presents the main riff to you right away. Yeah, um, yeah, good song, very good. <sighs> uh, into the actual top ten, what do you wanna? Where do you wanna start?
1: You start at the top of my list. It's fine. I didn't have them in any particular order. Yeah, they're really
2: not. Um, I'm going to start with uh, with Hell's Bells by ACDC. Anything particularly you want to say before I start playing it?
1: We can talk about it after. I just think, uh, awesome. I mean, obviously an amazing opening, a song I like very much, but this made the list less because of how much uh, I think of it as a song itself and more because of what I think it does for the album, which I think right. is the greatest hard rock album ever made. I, uh... So obviously the opening uh, Sets the tone With the bells yes, And by
2: the way, super long opening Yes um, They used to use it as the uh, uh, Heavily at, at Sharks games That never got to the actual song really
1: I imagine it's been used in a lot of stadium events
2: Right The bells themselves are great Yeah It's a great opening it's it's so long. You could only the song only works as a track one. Yes, if exactly. You put this right. in at track at track four. You'd be like, all right, I know which song it's going to be. Can we? <laughs> yeah, then yeah, to go back to, to
1: Pink Floyd, like I talked about earlier. Then what you'd have to do is make a Matthew edit, which is what I do for Pink Floyd right. songs that I like, where I cut out the two minutes of nonsense and just get into the. Um, whole thing. But uh, let me just say, sets up. Like I said, I think it's arguably the greatest hard rock album ever made. It's definitely the best produced hard rock album ever made
2: it has got some great stuff on i mean this is the album that has uh back in black
1: you shook me all night long
2: uh, you shook me all night long rock and
1: rolling noise pollution i really love shake a leg
2: i even like i even like giving the dog a bone yeah it's um,
1: just the whole album the cons- the consistency i will right. listen to any of these tracks even shoot to thrill i will listen to
2: and by the way that is the next song and i think it's it's probably the weakest on yeah. the record is shoot to thrill uh you described this as maybe the best hard rock album of all time yeah. um we've had the rolling stones we've had acdc would you say acdc is the best riff based rock band of all time
1: oh boy yeah, yeah i don't know if anyone can top the rolling stones just in that department but it's very it's they're, definitely very close
2: the, they're so s- strong but like when you think about hells bells you think about the uh you know, you hear it in the intro, but it comes back in the chorus.
1: Yeah, so it
2: is. It is like a, the main riff of the song. Um,
1: you shook me all night long. Grif-
2: back in Black, and Black is one hundred percent a riff song. Back in Black, exactly.
1: Um, yeah, no, they definitely are. They're all riff based yeah. for sure. I just think the Rolling Stones had that the special all. It was like popular to everybody. It was so their riffs are so omnipresent.
2: Yeah, there's room in the discussion maybe for Guns N' Roses.
1: Sure. Another
2: another riff-based band for the most part.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe they...
2: I mean, the riff of Welcome to the Jungle is real straightforward, but it's definitely a riff. That was
1: a track one, by the way. Welcome to the Jungle.
2: Uh, Well, there you go. Um, Sweet Child of Mine, of course, Mm -hmm. is a pure riff song. Um, Anyway.
1: Just to finish up... uh, Go on, sorry.
2: No, uh, yeah. No, I wanted to bring it back to to this discussion of of this uh, of this song. It it is like I don't have that many hard rock records, hmm. um, but this one's always going to have a place in in my collection.
1: Yeah, it's just um. So Bon Scott had just died, and they brought in Brian Johnson. This is his first album with ACDC. He writes all the songs. Right. This thing sells somewhere between 25 and 50 million copies. It's just, from start to finish, just a badass fucking song. The lyrics are so silly. Not even in the way that ACDC yeah. songs were silly before this, like, right. I've Got Big Not Balls like, uh, or whatever. Big Balls. Yeah. Yeah. But silly in the way where he's straight up saying things like, if you're into evil, you're a friend of mine. So, right. I'm gonna get you, <laughs> Satan get you, Hell's Bells. You know what I mean? Like, like if a
2: 15 year old was writing heavy metal.
1: Exactly correct. But luckily for me, lyrics are always sort of my, the least important aspect of a song to me. I, I really just care about the composition, arrangement, everything like that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate uh, good lyrics, but I, I do have a reasonable tolerance for some stupid shit. And if someone says something that's really odd, then it actually is attention getting for me. We, we went through that with Smokey uh, right. a, few, a few weeks ago. So anyway, 1980, um, awesome
1: record, awesome song, and that uh, that's it for me.
2: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward a little bit uh, to a song that uh, I didn't know was a number one, but I was so excited when I saw it that it was eligible for this because if there is a song that starts better, I mean, basically, the songs on my list are not what you would call bangers. <laughs>
1: not a lot but, of bangers.
2: But this one, this one, sure the fuck is uh that's crazy in love. Oh, what happened to that other part? I like that other...
5: Oh. <laughs> what I like about
2: it is that
1: it starts at a ten and retreats. Oh, yeah. And then keeps going back to the
4: tent.
2: And they come back to it that second time to let you know, don't worry. Yeah. It's coming back.
1: Oh, people are worried that Beyonce is not gonna be able to make it as a solo artist. How's she gonna do? Oh she's gonna do exactly this well.
2: Oh yeah here, you definitely will still be talking about her in 20 years.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's your boy young by the way
1: yeah, we'll talk about that.
6: Logo, young B in the ROC. Uh-oh, OG, big homie, the one and only. Stick bony, but the placard is fat like Tony. Surprano, the rock handle like Ben Xue. I shake phonies, man. You can't get next to genuine article. I do not sing though. I sling though. If anything, I
2: bling, yo. Star like Ringo, roll like a green Star like ringo. Yeah, he did say that.
1: Also I believe the last time anybody ever used Nick Van Exel's name in a rap song. Oh yeah for sure Chinchilla
6: <laughs> Oh, since change over the here we go
1: I have no criticisms uh, at all of that pick. That's uh, oh no.
2: Um, yeah, no. I I, sh- I want to be one hundred percent clear on this. There's nothing ironic about that selection. Yeah,
1: look, it, uh, like you said, it lets you know from second one that you are experiencing a banger. That a banger is going on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the layered Beyonces over the super produced horns which, mm-hmm. uh, can't be beat and jay z's uh texture is the best for a chinchilla so that's one hundred percent true I don't know how you could possibly beat it
2: they They know what they have. they never stay far away from that horn sting.
1: yeah, they like
2: crushed it dude the it mean as in Tarsa Wong, that's the right. quiet verses are very short. I'm not saying they learned it from Tarsa Wong particularly because I think this record came out first. it had
1: to have let me
2: check. uh it out. but <laughs> but it's the same the same thing like you have to spend some time away from it for it to be able to come back in powerfully yeah like it's going to hit every single time that happens
1: the album dangerously in uh, love uh 2003 the tarsal wong album uh that's 2004 all. i believe 2004 so yeah um
2: and we probably discovered it I actually Not couldn't have been too much that. later than 2004.
1: I was out of the house by 2005, so
2: Yeah, it must have been in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh so great great song. There's other good stuff on that record. Was a strong record.
1: It was a strong record. Uh we can talk a little bit about Young. Uh I mm-hmm. love his conceit.
2: That's a that's a power move. That there are people The guy already has too many nicknames.
1: That there are people out there who instead of calling him Jay-Z Went from calling him Jehovah to Jehove to Young Hove, and then finally that there are people out there who simply refer to him, him as Young,
2: entirely as Young. That's he does. That is how he identifies himself at the start of this song. It's your boy. It's your boy, Young.
1: Young. It's like seriously, that's what you think people are calling you. That is insane.
2: <laughs> it would have been great if he just said, "You know who I am."
1: <laughs> exactly right. You know he doesn't need to. You don't need to tell us, buddy. Like, we get it. I'm watching the music video. I can see you in it. Uh yep. Yeah, so great. I think uh, just undeniably cool song.
2: It made it through every round, and it never took more than three or four seconds for me to add it to the next round's playlist. Like, it just starts so strong, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not cutting that. Yeah. I'm not cutting that. That's making it... Very, so. very
1: well produced. I often refer to it as overproduced, but I mean it as a compliment.
2: Yes, it's lovingly produced. Yeah. There's a lot of the particularly there's a lot of vocal layering. Yes, which I always um, enjoy. Uh you know it's a Beyonce song, but she actually she actually has a little bit less to do than Jay Z, just in terms of like verse time.
1: Yeah, but she gets to do all uh, the great layering, like you said. Yes,
2: she makes up for it. So, yeah, uh, it was the it was my first draft choice. I had to have it.
1: Oh, I don't blame you. All right, let's uh let's move on to my next one. Uh I feel like we're kind of getting some of the real big ones out of the way. First, especially cuz I think your list is going to start to go a little bit more a little bit more obscure or a little bit more indie or however you want to think of it. Mine's going to yeah, stay Yeah, there's going
2: to be stuff on there that most people haven't heard.
1: Yeah, mine's going to stay pretty pop music, but um but anyway, we can we can move on to the next one. Um it is uh don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson. You know, I was... I was wondering, you know, if, <coughs> if you could keep on... Don't, don't laugh over him. force has got a lot of power. force has a lot of power, dude. You make me feel like... It makes me feel like... Uh, it, it <laughs> Gonna give you permission to cut
2: this one off. Have you had enough?
1: Yeah, I feel like this is representative of the song.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really. Well, okay, it does one thing. It was just about to do it. it was, I shouldn't have cut it, but, but whatever. about
1: to do the guitar break, it's, it's fine. It's not really. Yeah. To me, it's not crucial to the song. It's a six
2: minute it's track. Not. So It is a long song. Um, that was track one from uh, Off the Wall. Off the Wall.
1: So for me. Th- The problem really came down to, I didn't know what to do about Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, track one off the wall, and want to be starting some track one thriller. Two amazing albums, two real kind of moment-in-time albums that sort of spoke to what was happening in pop music, mainly because he was was (laughs) deciding what was happening in pop music.
2: Right, he was setting the tone.
1: Yeah, and they're just such... Perfect starts to a record and I I ended up going with this one because I just I like this song by itself a little bit more than I like wanna be starting something.
2: But see, I um, think I'm the other way.
1: I could see going the other way. Yeah. But uh the way oh so the falsetto sings everything and he just kinda moans over it. Yes, so (laughs) good. Just imagine getting all sweaty in the club, dude. Oh for sure. I just uh and a great record. I mean, it's obviously got rock with you on it. Um off the walls is a cool song. Um I can't help it. I love I love I can't help it because as soon as it comes on, you go. Oh, this is a Stevie Wonder song for sure. This is 100% <laughs> a Stevie Wonder song, and sure enough, it was written by Stevie Wonder.
2: Yeah, it's it's very obvious when Stevie Wonder has farmed a song out to somebody else. Yeah. Um I forget who or what it was, but I heard something.
1: It was it uh tell me S- something good by Rufus and Chaka Khan
2: uh-huh yeah that's exactly what it. that was. is like
1: the ultimate example growing up you only ever hear the chorus to that song you're like yeah i get it and then the first time you hear the verses you go mm, well, wait a minute hold on No, oh, hold on though this sounds like stevie wonder <laughs> of the mid-70s 1000 percent. like what are we listening to and of course he wrote it um
2: yeah, it's it is true though that you only ever hear the chorus to that and that must be because that's all that's ever used in a ad for jack-in-the-box commercial i I don't know where you would have heard that it's for some hamburger for sure.
1: something melty is on the screen
2: something exactly maybe maybe it's a cheesy gordita crunch or something (laughs) i don't know
1: anyway just uh i don't know i don't know how much there is to say about michael jackson i think that's pretty it's self-evident so
2: yeah uh i mean i don't know what's the best song on thriller
1: billy jean probably right
2: it's probably Billie Jean. I mean, it's, yeah, as overplayed it's not as one. it is, no. Yeah.
1: And I like Wannabe starting something. Um, I just,
2: you know. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Is the best song on Thriller when you open it up and it's got the picture of him with yeah, the, the baby, baby tiger?
1: tiger. <laughs> 1000% yes, it is.
2: That might be the best song on Thriller, is just opening up the gatefold or whatever. <laughs>
1: the best song on Thriller is listening to everybody go, look
2: at him with that tiger. Check yeah. it out with that tie. Look at that suit. This is this ironic? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm. Not, I am do not th- I would not say confidently that it was ironic.
1: I think he is extremely serious.
2: I think he means this. It's not sexual, and I don't know that he wants it to be.
1: <laughs> but uh, what well, you know, it's also got a uh, obviously beat it and uh, pyt. So those are those are good ones. Non-thriller. Anyway. Yeah,
2: uh, I think Thriller is the stronger record, which maybe makes How Don't Stop Stop Till You Get Enough stand out a little more.
1: How dare you? I couldn't decide between them. I don't, I don't know why I felt mad about that. I, I couldn't decide between them.
2: Well, <laughs> no, but it did make you mad. Um, let me see. I can sort of match this era too I'm going to skip around a little bit. Ooh. Um, okay. Uh, this uh this next song is. The only cover that I put on this list.
1: Oh.
2: Um, it's uh, it's money changes everything by Cyndi Lauper. Oh.
1: satisfying synthesizer.
2: It is. of so the song is fun. There's like a harmonica break, and uh, she sort of screams the ending. There's a lot of stuff happening in that song. Uh, this was her debut record.
1: Oh, cool. So album one, track
2: one. Um, album one, track one. And uh, it's so stylized and weird. Like, even in the 80s, there was nothing else that sounded like Cindy Lauper.
1: I was just listening to that. I was struck by, well, I don't think I've ever heard somebody who was more capable of hitting all the notes and less interested. Yes. I get the feeling that she's a very good singer who
2: just yes, went, no, nah, I'm going to be weirder. It shines though. on some other tracks, yeah. um, but she's, she's it's very, it's extremely stylized. Yeah,
1: I'm going to be just a bit weirder than that is what she's yeah. saying.
2: And, you know, she Dress is weird. Everyone's seen the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Captain Lou Albano. (laughs) Um, It's definitely. There's uh, like.
1: It's required viewing for all the Captain Lou fans out there.
2: uh, Yeah, if you're a Lou head, uh, you definitely. You definitely have to watch that. Uh, This is a nine. This is a nine song record, Hmm. and seven of them are really good. So. The next song on the record is Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It's yeah. uh, got When You Were Mine, Time After Time, She-Bop, All Through the Night. Um, I'll Kiss You is kind of fun. He's So Unusual is the worst one, but it's like... It's just because of the dumb Betty Boop intro to the song that it sucks. And uh, Witness is just whatever. Um, but yeah, the whole album sounds like that. Um, the instrumentation on that song is really interesting. If you uh, When you listen to the verses... Uh, both the guitar and the bass back off to give her space um because the verse I think is so restative mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah. like it's she half talks the verse and so the guitar backs off and you just hear a couple of echoed chords and then You're right her entry like, into every also... line
1: is kind of like a sh- a shouting and that yes. ends that ends with her hitting some notes
2: right yeah um it's a great song. A lot of the songs on the record are covers. The studio did not have a lot of faith in her. Mm. So they didn't really let her write her own songs. So like, When You Were Mine is a Prince song, etc.
1: Right. Yeah, there are a lot of cool rock elements to that song. And then, like I mentioned, the really satisfying synthesizer, making it kind of new wavy. Yeah. So I like and, it. And
2: uh, I, I've, uh, I bought the cassette tape of She's So Unusual before I went on our eight 8th grade trip to Sacramento. Oof. Did you do a Sacramento yeah, trip?
1: we did. I remember it, sort of. I remember Old Town was boring, and we had ice cream.
2: I, I think <laughs> I just bought the tape because I like girls just want to have fun. And then, um... I remember listening to it on the bus ride up. The other tape I had was Earth and Sun and Moon by Midnight Oil. Ooh. I had those two tapes.
1: So you've got some weird memory relationships on those records.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I've always liked that album. I think in and our bad. house
1: what we heard a lot growing up was Time After Time, right?
2: Time After Time, which is a great song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, so, so that's my favorite song on that record. And like I said, I, I really like seven of the nine songs on the record. So That ain't uh, bad. Yeah.
1: I like it. Um well we were just talking about Stevie Wonder of the mid 70s so why don't we jump into Stevie Wonder of the I guess the, the beginning of his classical period his uh yes 1972's uh Music of My Mind uh, an album that we've probably talked about a number of times on this podcast I think I consider it my most prized album I think it's my favorite album that I own.
2: Uh it's basically treasure. And this is not uh, an album one track one, but this is kind of the start of an era, era yeah. in his music, right? This is...
1: Yeah, this and Talking Book it's were,
2: Not It's not 100% the start, but like...
1: This and Talking Book were recorded you, simultaneously, and I think Talking Book was released right. first, but they're, they're essentially at the same time.
2: But like, if you were like, hey, I uh, went down to the record store, I got that new Stevie Wonder album... And then someone else would be like Oh that kid that plays the harmonica (laughs) And then you'd say Yeah that's right let's put that on and have a listen And then here comes love having you around
1: Yeah let's do it Please Oh you just already The electric piano dude
7: Mama mama baby Baby
1: baby 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 Got the fucking talk box and all that shit You're just bathing in imagery.
4: Every day I wanna shake your hand.
7: For in the world making me a better man. And every day I wanna get on my camel and ride my camel
2: when that day. I mean he just sang ride on my camel three times. I know. over halfway through is the thing.
1: It's so fascinating the whole way that I don't know. Listen to that electric piano, dude.
2: Important to point out that he plays all the instruments.
4: Yeah. All right, you can cut it.
2: Uh, the way it's literally another two minutes and 45 seconds
1: the way it reads on this one is stevie wonder lead vocal background vocal fender roads talk box drums moog bass every single track on this nine song album reads like the same way with occasional other things thrown in tonto synthesizer bongos harmonica honer clavinet You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, it keeps going and going and going. Because this was his weird little side project. Imagine stepping into, like, Thomas Edison's workshop. And that's what Stevie Wonder was doing in his home in 1971 and 1972, recording these records in secret as leverage to use against Barry Gordy. I just... That's uh, right. I just... The story behind it is amazing. That song's amazing. This album is not just an album full of songs that are listenable. I think like the worst song on this record is, what, an 8 out of 10?
2: Oh, yeah, probably. Let me just take a quick look and see what I think the worst song on this record is. Is
1: it Girl Blue? I love that song.
2: See, the problem is they're all pretty pretty good. That's
1: what I'm saying. It goes to Superwoman. Uh, Masterpiece. Which is
2: maybe even better, by the way.
1: I love every little thing about you. The happiest song on the record. Even happier than Happier Than the Morning Sun.
2: Uh, Uh, If you don't love Sweet Little Girl, you can fuck right off.
1: (laughs) Happier Than the Morning Sun, Girl Blue, I fucking love. Seems so long. Vocal masterpiece. Keep on running. Uh,
2: I think uh, possibly... Evil is the song that could have been on another record the easiest.
1: Another vocal masterpiece, though. But I think you're right. I think it fits but, on Intervisions Visions or Fulfillingness better.
2: Right. But it's not a bad song. So it's... Just, uh... Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cru- just crushed it. Just crushed it start to finish.
2: Uh, it's my it's my favorite of the Stevie Wonder albums. Um, there's... There's a lot of good and interesting stuff on Songs in the Key of Life. Yeah. Um which came out a couple of years later, but it's a big double album, but there's also stuff on there that I don't care about necessarily. He starts to
1: get lost in the weeds a little bit in terms of the take. I think he goes big premise on that record and doesn't necessarily execute on every track like he does on this album, Inner Visions, and Fulfilling His First Finale, which I think are superior albums. And Talking Book's really good, too.
2: Right. Um yeah, that's uh it's a good song. There's a lot of it. If if you were not hip to what was happening with Stevie Wonder, it would be very surprising. <laughs> that's right. Oh compared, yeah. Uh,
1: so his period before this, his Motown era, he still was right. with Motown. He was with T- uh, Tamla, I think they they put him on instead. Right. Um which was their their sub label, but his Motown era is amazing. I love his Motown era. But you sure. definitely like, get the, the sense. The Once
2: in my life, is a very solid record.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get songs like Shooby Dooby Doo Da Day and um, I Was Made to Lover, and even when he was 15, Uptight. Like some really yeah. amazing songs that a teenager wrote and produced and arranged. Uh, by the
2: way, I Was Made to Lover is very strong. It's a very strong song. Dude,
1: he's 16, and he wrote, yeah. arranged, produced, and played on that song. Like that's. So, anyway. So much good stuff in the Motown era, but this really is the beginning of the classic era where you get the seventies the Stevie Wonder stuff that's that's so good and creative. So anyway, I could talk for yeah. six podcasts about that one song, so
2: well there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening. I mean it it, it gets weirder from where I turned it down.
1: Check out the words. But it also
2: it goes on for, goes <laughs> on for <a> long time. <laughs> Before before we leave it entirely, hmm. what the central metaphor of this song yeah, yeah. is that he's going to get on his camel and ride.
1: Ride on my camel.
2: What does it mean?
1: Uh, I used to joke with Marjan that he was singing about a Middle Eastern girl. <laughs> but it... <laughs> well, I mean, it's... that's
2: a fun joke you can tell to Marjan.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Doug, I don't know. I don't know. I know he was going through some experiences, spiritual and emotional, and that those all culminate in 1979s. Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. The I whole
2: feel like a lot of the songs on music of my mind are about sex. And I don't mean that they're about a relationship. I mean they are actually about sex.
1: Right. Just about the the act of sex?
2: The act of sex and doing a sex. And the experience. Making a sex? The emotional yes.
1: impact. Right. It, yeah. that That could very well be.
2: That's just how that album feels to me.
1: Oh, but it's like, believe me, he it, feels very aggressive and keep on running. We're going yeah, well, somewhere sexual. Running. That is charged. So, I agree. Um,
2: but like, but like, if you did mushrooms first, <laughs> if you ate a bunch of mushrooms and then had sex, freaky weird sex. It's a very, uh, it's another one where I would say think about it if you're going to listen to this on headphones. Ah, okay. Like, don't just put this shit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, make a little space because at some point you're going to go, oh, I'm sorry, wait, what? <laughs> Something and is you're going to realize here. that it's, um, this album is sort of swimming around your frontal lobes in a weird way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: At least that's how it, uh, happens to me. Again. It's a weird album to drive to.
1: It is my very favorite album. It's number
2: yeah. one. Uh,. I don't have anything, like what, I don't, there's nothing on my <laughs> list that's the equivalent of that at all. Um, well, I mean, I have a, all right, all right. So, uh, a weird song that you might not be expecting if someone, uh, were to say to you, hey, have you heard this new indie rock band?
5: Hmm.
2: They're like, all the, all the white kids love this band now. Uh, this would have been, uh, like about twelve, thirteen years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh
2: have you heard have you heard these guys, the Decemberists? Oh, yeah. They're these they're these indie rock guys. And you'd be like, Alright. Alright, I'll go get their most recent album. And then you you went and bought Picaresque, which is a very it's a strong album. It's got a lot of interesting stuff on it. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite Decemberist album. Uh and then you started it up, uh you would start with the Infanta. So let me turn the music back up and do that. Normally I hate this shit. Oh, here we go. But it short.
8: Here she comes in her palanquin on the back of an elephant on a bed Made of linen and sequins and silk. All destroyed. liquor Lick-
2: pick. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I know that's not going to be to everyone's taste, uh, but so much happens in that. It's uh, half a warning, I think, about what you're going to oh, get. Yeah, if you're, you're not into this, you probably,
1: sh- you probably shouldn't listen to the rest.
2: <laughs> like, uh, it's high concept. Yeah. Uh, the The song builds so that each verse is more discordant than the previous verse. It's got that fun concertina break in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I love the drumming. It's, it's, very, it's very Bells and Horns in the Back of Beyond.
2: Bells and Horns in the Back of Beyond are like every third Muse song <laughs> right. is like that. Yeah. Um, it's Muse, right? I, I For some reason, it never sticks in my brain.
1: Well, Muse is a band.
2: Uh, which is you know the the band that does uh, that does, like fifteen songs about rebellion with different names.
1: Yes, that's them. Yeah, it's the, that's them. The song yeah. about how they'll be victorious.
2: That's the one. Yeah, that, yeah. Anyway, they have a song that has a real driving beat like that. Um. Yeah, dense instrumentation. Th- that guy's weird voice. Yeah. Like it's all happening in the. They they left it all on the field with the Infanta.
1: Yeah, I have a complicated relationship with uh, the Decemberists because I admire a lot of what they've produced, but they all I just I can see them striving. The journey that they're taking is so obvious. Like it, it's like they're sweating uh-huh. through their clothes with the effort that they're making to do a thing. His voice is clearly some kind of bizarre affectation. They um, and the lyrics are I I self defeating I think a lot of the time like he tries so hard <laughs> to come up with something that's so clever and you just go eh, hey, all right yeah we get it dude um but I really like that song and that's a good record so I think that's that yeah was that's a good my favorite
2: pick. my favorite of their records it's better than the Crane Wife I think
1: yeah um yeah that was good I like that.
2: And th- this is where we're really starting to depart on our two lists.
1: It's true. That it's kind of like that's an overlap, but it's headed toward a divergent road. We're,
2: we're a lot of lot of the remaining songs on my list you've never heard, or at least several of them. Yeah. So,
1: all right. Uh, well, I liked it. Um, let's stay sort of around the same time as the last one of mine. Um, so, Love Having You Around by Stevie Wonder was 72, and I think this next one was 71. Let me just look That,
2: that early? It feels later.
1: It feels later because there's so much groundbreaking work that's done on it. So, Stevie Wonder's my all-time number one artist. Crazy genius. Yeah, exactly. And he's always going to get the most credit from me for breaking barriers of sound, and... And making new music, mm, not Chuck Yeager, no, never, and not the Mach Five Ranger okay. or whatever it is. Okay. Um. So it's, it, what's Mach Three? If it was, it was Mach Five, it'd
2: be more impressive. <laughs>
1: um. But there's so much amazing work, groundbreaking work done by Marvin Gaye in the '70s, and starting with what's going on in 1971, which is a beautifully crafted concept album that plays perfect. From start to finish, don't put this record on shuffle. It is a terrible mistake to put this record on shuffle because it, f- it flows and and songs get reprised and and themes keep showing up and things like that. So it's a true concept album, and it starts right. With he Bible didn't
2: care. live to see shuffle. He, he had no idea shuffle was coming. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's jump him. right in.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Hey, what's happening? Hey, what's happening? That's my favorite guy. I wanna invite that guy to all of my parties. Hey, what's happen?
4: Mother, mother. There's too many of you cry. Brother, brother, brother Also,
1: we'll be playing this through the day. There's
4: edge. far too many
9: of you you yeah.
1: can't.
4: Find a way to bring some loving here today Hey yeah. Father Father We don't need to escalate You see War is not the answer For only love can come here.
1: I think these are the beginnings of his experiments with all the layered vocals, too.
2: Yeah, I think we have before played the culmination of that experiment. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. But there's a lot of this record.
2: I also like that in the four years since Reach Out, I'll Be There, if they found someone who needed to play the hand drums.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, you know that we've got to find
4: you more. Drink today. Oh, oh, oh.
1: it loud. Oh, those strings, man.
4: And it sound. Don't punish me. Love brutality. Come on,
9: talk to me can't see what's going on
4: yeah what's going on? what's going on tell me what's going on I'll
2: tell you what's going on, what's going on? Right, on. Right, on. right on right on this is my favorite part of the song
1: I, I really love this part so much. right
2: on
5: Oh man.
1: Oh, man. oh man.
2: So that's usually the um usually the gimmick of fake party. I mean this this is why there are intros to rap albums basically, right? <laughs> yes. Like, Thanks Marvin Gaye. Usually it doesn't work for me, but in this one particular instance I really like it. Like it it feels like a place I want to be.
1: Yeah, and that's the point. This is the first track on on a protest record. And right. it gets sadder as the album goes along. the side one ends with mercy mercy me the ecology which is another awesome song
2: by the way it's a super great song it's got a the title is crazy
1: (laughs) i mean it makes sense
2: it makes sense if you listen to it but it's like it's maybe (laughs) maybe his best song if it's not what's going on it's one of those two i think it's everybody knows that i love sexual healing but that's in a different category yeah Uh, but it
1: so the, um, the whole ride, all the way yeah. through, protest music, through the end of side one, Mercy Mercy Me, through the end of side two, Inner City Blues, the saddest, rawest song on this album. And right at the end of Inner City Blues, it reprises right back into the, again, the quietest, saddest version of what's going on. And you're just like, oh, damn, I went on a journey. Like a That's journey right. was had. uh." Um, but yeah, all... I
2: mean, it's an extremely good song, and, you know, it's sad, but one of the things to consider about Marvin Gaye is that because his father killed him, we never get to his part-time lover period, I or know. his Dr. Pepper commercial period, of... whatever Smokey Robinson ended up doing. <laughs>
1: oh, you know, yeah, you don't have to wait that long. The cruising period for uh, Smokey. I mean, cr-
2: yeah, cr- cruising's rough. Yeah,
1: Quiet Storm, anything like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smokey yeah. he got he got rough. Real soon after he left the Miracles, he got he got to a bad place. Um No, that's true. Um Marvin Gaye's catalog is essentially untouchable. There is no There's not a lot of stink music. He made an album on purpose that he tried to make bad to punish his ex-wife because that was the judge was a crazy person, and the judge awarded <laughs> the earnings from that record to his ex-wife. In their divorce. Before he made it. Yes, they said, your next record, The pr- I can't believe this is a legal thing that can be done. In your next record, the- those earnings from that, that's going to go to your ex-wife. So he tried to make the worst album he could, and even that is awesome. Because it's so experimental <laughs> and weird and different. So, yeah, he has an untouchable catalog for sure. But yeah, I just thought, yeah. uh, in-, in terms of track ones, on you're not going to beat a song like that on a true concept album.
2: So. It's very solid. Um, we have played some, uh, like all of your previous picks were pretty upbeat. Yeah, that was your first m- mellow pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I should pick something mellow from my remaining list.
1: Well, you should have a couple options okay. in there.
2: Um. Okay. I'm going to play a song that you have probably never heard called uh, Lonesome Valley by uh, by Magnolia Electric Company.
1: It sounds mellow.
2: One of the... It is. One of the uh, deep indie rock darlings of the 90s was a band called Songs Ohia or Ohia. I'm not sure.
5: Hmm.
2: Spelled O-H-I-A uh it's a an artist named Jason Molina and he did a lot of interesting stuff and then um uh eventually drank himself to death at the age of like 39 oh nice like you know literally multiple organ failure from his alcoholism but in the in the early 2000s he did a little bit of a pivot and um uh st- started a new band called Magnolia Electric Company and it's uh, it's kind of interesting alt country, and uh, I really like his voice, and I always have. Uh, anyway, this is uh this is the first song from uh from that first album. Um, it's really solid. Uh, he he put out a few albums like that. Um, they mostly have two or three good songs on each album. They're not solid all the way through, and I don't know if that was because it was mostly a live act or mm. how he was prioritizing his time. But uh, <clears throat> that's really solid. And uh, there's another one that almost made the list called uh, called The Dark. Don't hide it. So. Uh, it's worth checking out, and uh, also dip, dipping back into his, his 90s catalog. There's some very strong stuff in there. Yeah, let me just... so But it's... Uh, yeah. The
1: influences, <clears throat> the influences I detected, and I mean all of these in the complimentary way, because I think he was taking... I think these sound like the best aspects of the bands I'm about to name, or the artists I'm about to name. But what I could you know, detect off the bat was Tom Petty. Uh, I would
2: be surprised, yeah.
1: The band. Um, sure. Some of the more chill Almond Brothers and a little bit of Eric Clapton in there too. So I, I like I heard a lot of stuff that I already like, and as somebody who's always in kind of a music rut, I got that's like something for me to nosh on a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, it was a it was a real shift change. Well, I mean, it wasn't that much of a shift change. He was always kind of a singer songwriter, one guitar, sparse instrumentation. So adding stuff like a piano and a slide guitar was a, a little bit. Uh, a little bit new, like he he really veered into country, and I think that's why he changed the name of the band. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean that's uh, it's much more simple than the last few songs we've been playing. It's it's uh, it's straightforward. It's raw. Yeah, it's melancholy
1: um, enough that you can get behind it. Yeah, because there's one emotion uh, that uh, I think everyone can listen to a song and pick up on, and it's not it's not any of the happy ones.
2: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, about three three years ago, he drank himself to death. But uh, he hadn't put out a new album in a while. It was, he kind of burned out. Yeah,
1: didn't die. He died young, but didn't die young enough.
2: <sighs> I guess. I mean, he <laughs> he didn't have out. a happy life at the end end of the day. Yeah. So, um. Well, speaking of singer-songwriters... That was, uh, yes. yes.
1: Why don't we uh why don't we jump into another the next one on my list. Uh let me just look real quick. So this is my first female entry. Of, mm-hmm. A lady singer songer. You of course had uh Beyonce.
2: And Cindy Lauper already. Yes,
1: Lady Beyonce was your first and then Cindy Lauper. Um
2: so- Although there are no more on on my remaining list, so
1: um. This. Uh. So this is. Um. A, a famous record, certainly for fol- for folk records. Um. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't actually think this artist put out a ton of great work outside of this record, but I really love this record. Um. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, and play "All I Want" by Joni Mitchell?
2: Yeah. Um, this is the one of your songs that I had never heard ah. And I was, I was Surprised until I listened to it And then it made perfect sense So yeah. yeah this is all I want
1: I mean just right off the bat It sounds different I think it's that dulcimer she's playing
0: Some. I hate you some, I love you some.
1: Good dude.
2: Uh, that's a great song. Despite some genuinely bad uh, lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, dude there's no record she, that's more. She hitting. for sure sings I want to shampoo you in it. And, <laughs> um but it never stops being interesting. The rhythm is never quite what you expect. Yeah, she plays like, games with
1: rhythm and cadence and everything.
2: Right. There's no there's a lot of spaces where there's no Pause for breath in between one line in a verse, and the next line. Um, Even the guitar, the, stuff, the dulcimer, the, the, the guitar, guitar f- stuff is very interesting.
1: Farty atonal guitar and the and the Appalachian dulcimer getting played over it, and you're just like, mm-hmm. man, there is some fucking shit going on here. I don't know what it is or means,
2: but uh, the the entire percussion in that song is someone hitting a guitar. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh. The this is the the album of hers that you like, and you'd think the rest don't really matter. So everyone knows Joni Mitchell for Big Yellow Taxi. right?
1: Yeah, that's that's not the stuff that I'm into, I gotta say. This is a good right. record. My old man, the following songs a really cool song, Blue, obviously River. everyone I think has heard River.
2: Rivers, I think, fairly well-known, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, really great record, sad record, sent, hippie sensual record. I wanted to say sensual, but it has a very specific kind. Um, yes. Well, it's... Dirty, free-love-fucking, yes. essentially.
2: Exactly. Well, she, like, uh, so, she wrote this record, the songs on this record, on some weird finding herself tour of Europe. Yeah. Where she lived like in, it. like, a cave commune and did a bunch of hippie shit. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And that you have to wonder sometimes when you hear someone who makes one really amazing record and the other ones are just kind of whatever, like what headspace they were in when they made that, and how come they didn't stay in that headspace? Probably because it was super uncomfortable.
2: Uh, a famous anecdote of this is uh, from this record is that she uh, was she played it for Chris Christofferson, <laughs> I think before it had been released, and he said my God, leave something of yourself. Like, yeah, it's a very personal feeling record. Despite the weird lyrics.
1: Yeah. I love the record and I love that song. And, and, uh, I make no apologies.
2: Yep. I'd never heard it. I, uh, bought the record to do this. And then I listened to it twice back to back. Um, and it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's a song that belongs on this list for sure. Oh boy uh, I don't have anything that can match that Yeah just so jump onto whatever gonna, you feel like I'm gonna pick something that does not match it at all Um, uh, Weezer No song made my list from Weezer They didn't necessarily um, open strong <laughs> I put My name is Jonas On my 70 song list Just based on my memory of it Right But it didn't make the cut to the next list.
1: Same with me. I also had Tired of Sex in there. It's not even that I don't like Tired of Sex. It's just that it's...
2: Well, there are very good songs on that record, and that's... Yes. I think once
1: I figured out it was like the 8th, ninth, 10th best... How many songs are on that record? It's one of the worst songs on the record, and I just went, I don't know if we can put a song on the list that's among the worst songs on its record.
2: Um, Weezer took a little break while rivers was figuring some stuff out Damn. and uh one of the other guys started another band and uh this is the this is the first song this is the love i'm searching for by the rentals
4: Yeah. The systems failed, all the circuits blown, and the message lost in this machine. Try all the codes, all possibilities
2: Uh, off the record there's no such thing as good backup singing
1: <laughs> that's why Marvin Gaye just used
4: himself and
2: I'm going to go ahead and cut this one a little early, because it doesn't really change. I mean, there's a violin break in the middle, but...
5: Yeah.
2: uh, There is... uh, By the way, this is the song on my list that I know is the least defensible.
1: Nah, I get it, though. Like, uh... There's,
2: uh... There will always be a place in my heart for the combination of heavily distorted guitars mm -hmm. and like a Moog synth line.
1: Like a super satisfying Moog that as it's playing yes. you're just going, oh, I, uh, yeah, like someone's scratching your back and they're just about to get to that good spot. That's what that is. Right,
2: so you you can get that out of the, the rentals. Uh, by the way, it's a good, it's a solid record.
1: I like um, many songs on that record. That song fits in super good on that record.
2: It's extremely good. It's got the, it starts well in that you get that little aborted start and then it comes in hard. The, um, the prototype, I mean, like, the best example of this, and and by the way, I I had two or three granddaddy songs on my initial list, which are also sort of this combination that Mm. didn't make the final cuts. The absolute pinnacle of this is that one record by the Pulsars that no one ever heard of.
1: (laughs) It's the one about my pet robot, Theodore?
2: The the one that includes my pet robot, Theodore. (laughs) It also has the Tunnel song. Right. Um. but that song, that uh, that album starts with a count off track. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was never going to make it. Um yeah, I don't know. This is uh, this is fully this uh is a good song on a strong record and it just fits this weird niche in my musical taste.
1: Yeah. Um
2: it yeah.
1: The Rentals are the Rentals. Uh, did they ever make other records?
2: Mhm. Yeah, they have another record, at least one more. Uh, it came out, you know, uh, Weezer got back together after this, so the second record didn't come out for a while. It's similar, it's it's pretty solid.
1: Yeah, this is uh, a super 90s record, and it, even though it has all the special rentals flourishes, it has definitely has a relationship to Weezer, and that's that fuzzed out guitar. And mm-hmm. uh, other bands that sound like Weezer, like Ozma. So you'll get like Marjon, Sometimes she'll hear a track come on, and she'll have to discover it. She'll have to like figure out in her head whether it's Ozma, or the Rentals, or Weezer, because there's a like some kind of weird relationship between those uh, yep. the way those sound.
2: Yeah, Ozma is another one that uh, where a couple of songs almost made the almost made the cut, but the um. Domino Effect, which would have made it and I think was on your first list also It was list on one of my lists, yeah, yeah. Um, I get what I want out of Domino Effect from the end of Battle Scars which <laughs> right. is a song that I like much better so it, it sort of cannibalizes that song for me Yeah, though it's a very Ozma song
1: uh, I'm ready to stay in the 70s I think I'm just gonna stay in. I'm gonna stay there cause it's so, it's so warm it's so it's, it, it's just a nice it's like i bake potato in the 70s all day long <laughs> and i just stay there and i ra- i put my hood on and i got my long sleeves and this shit's thick it's wool and i just sit in there i let the sun beat down and i just go whatever it's the 70s i'm okay <laughs> and um this i th- i think i picked so this is going to be led zeppelin and the reason i picked the one i picked i They actually do a very good job with opening tracks. Their album one track one, Good Times, Bad Times, is an awesome little song. Um, And they have some other good ones as well. But I went with Immigrant Song off Led Zeppelin 3 based on the combination of what a fucking badass track it is. And the overall quality of the album with songs like uh, Since I've Been Loving You... And uh, That's the Way, and uh, Bronner Stomp, and, and other, other very good tracks. So um, let's do Immigrant Song. A long song, but you
2: can go ahead and cut it. Um, so, imagine, would you say this is the most well-known Led Zeppelin song? Oh,
1: um, probably not, but it's well known. I mean, you mm. know, "Stairway to Heaven," or I don't know, "A mm. um, Whole Lot of Love." Maybe I don't know. There are some "Black Dog." I don't know. There are some pretty well-known. Because a lot of them are riff based as well, which makes them pretty easy for people to remember. <clears throat> but, mm. um. But yeah, definitely among the popular ones. And how not, dude? Uh, just like that fucking bass and fucking low end guitar just fucking hammering away. All muddy.
2: It's, it's a very strong riff.
1: And, uh, you want to talk about nerd lyrics?
2: Student, yeah, student, I mean, sure. Valhalla, I am coming,
1: coming. He, uh, The dude had no shame And he would no. write completely unironic songs about Lord of the Rings Just like, yeah. on the regular There are lots of Lord of the Rings references in these songs
2: um, I mean, there's definitely a reason why Adam Carolla describes Led Zeppelin as Wizard heavy and gay <laughs>
1: Yeah, people just associate them with heavy metal, but I would say at least half, probably the majority of their songs, are folk or blues-inspired. And yes. they're usually not even as heavy as that song. Just well, they came
2: out of... Um, oh my god, why am I I'm blanking Yardbirds. on it? The Yardbirds. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, English people uh, trying to play the blues. Exactly correct,
1: yeah. And they do that a lot. And some of their... I mean, some of their best songs are straight blue songs, like um, On This Record, uh, Since I've Been Loving You, I think is my favorite. Um, Led Zeppelin song. and um, But a lot of them are just pretty chill. <laughs> it's a pretty chill band, and occasionally they do something cool and heavy like this. Um, Led Zeppelin 1's a little bit heavy, but... Anyway, just thought of the cool song, cool album. And if you're turning, if you're like bought an album and you haven't heard anything on it or whatever, and you put it on and that comes on, you're like, oh yeah, sh- oh shit, yeah, okay, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes.
2: It's gonna <laughs> get it's gonna get you pumped for the record for sure. I'm like ready. you're ready to go at that point. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah. We are your overlords.
2: Uh, there is something about the super strong rhythmic element of the music and the fact that he lets the melody drift over it. Yeah.
1: Like like a, the like a lyrics fog. are not rhythmic at all. Like a fucking fog over his imaginary Norse battlefield or whatever.
2: That yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a, a really good musical effect. Uh and it it, it happens like it's not the whole verse like that happens at the end.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, the he'll m- give you
2: some like it starts rhythmic and then he, you get that part that drifts over the the same rhythm. He
1: um yeah, he gives you his pretty standard Robert Plant stuff. Uh kind of falsetto screeching which every metal band for the next 30 years did their best to replicate. um, Until
2: eventually someone decided that growling sounded (laughs) harder.
1: Someone said, any better is really who we should be emulating. Um, Yeah. Or, yeah, if you're talking about metal, then just whatever nonsense beast noises they make now. Um, Right. So we did an episode uh, many, many episodes ago now where I tried to convince you of the merits of David Bowie, and one of my planned ones is always to come back and try to convince you about the merits of Led Zeppelin. And I will have a lot to say in that episode. But
2: yeah, that's going to be a long episode for sure.
1: <laughs> well, it will cuz most of the songs are like 7 minutes long, so.
2: Yeah. Can't get some Matthew edits of those. You're not going to attempt Pink Floyd, are you? That's
1: No, I'm not going to try to convince anybody of that cuz that's going to s- be
2: such an uphill battle.
1: I have so many problems with them personally. I need someone to convince me about Pink Floyd. So.
2: Um, you're up. <clears throat> uh, there is a, a another indie band, Beloved of Whites uh called the National.
1: Oh yes, I have heard of
2: this them. This is this is uh sorry, beloved of whites was my description of them, not the name of the band. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting uh,
1: name." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh this is the kind of uh indie rock style band that is more popular than any other rock band right now, like yeah. you, Sounds you, like the odds These guys are Exactly. These guys are are selling out uh you know, big open air venues and stuff like that. Um, their first album, not their first album, but their first album to hit big was called Boxer. Okay. And it, uh, it starts with this track, uh, Fake Empire. So it's going to feel a little bit different than that last one, but uh, that's what we've got left here. Mm-hmm.
10: Say I'm super late tonight Picking apples, making pies Put a little something in our lemonade And take it with us We're half awake in a fake empire We're half awake in a fake empire so through our shiny city With our diamond slippers on Do our gay ballet and Bluebirds on our shoulders We're half awake in a fake empire We're half awake in a fake empire
2: This is one that really ticks like multiple boxes for a track one. Uh, first of all, it states the sort of uh, disillusionment with becoming an adult theme of the record.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the entire song is a crescendo. Yes. It begins with just the piano and his voice and ends with the layered horns.
1: Very effective. Cause the, the it starts off really chill and the drums start to come in, and you go, "Oh yeah, no, okay, here we go. We're about to go to something." And it, it hits. The it, drums don't
2: even hit till halfway through the song, by the way. Yes, and then, it's a two and a half minute song.
1: And then, even though you know the crescendo's coming, it's still so satisfying that once those yeah. drums start, you go, "Oh, I know what's going to happen here. We're about to fucking we're it's going to get crazy and white in here. All yes. the white kids going to get crazy.
2: Exactly, like all of the twenty year old, twenty something year old kids are going to." Uh, feel this song and this album. Um, So yeah, again, like, basically if you were designing, if a computer designed a track one, it would work like this one does. Uh, And then the rest of the album is is really good. There's, I mean, I should should look. Um,
1: Do you suppose Weezer's track ones aren't that good because uh, Rivers Cuomo is using that dumb (laughs) spreadsheet and he didn't design a really good algorithm for track ones?
2: I don't know when he hit on that (laughs) spreadsheet like i don't i really don't know uh it's a 12 it's a 12 song record from 2007 and uh one two three four five six seven eight nine of the 12 uh are absolutely belong on a playlist like okay and the other three aren't bad they're just they they have their place in the record
1: yeah, um, I but, um, yeah. I've heard I've heard of them, and uh, my friend Kyle likes them, and um, and I just never, I don't know, never went out and tried to listen to them. But I, I liked that. I think I could, I could give that album a listen for sure.
2: Well, I have a, I have a strong, uh, I don't know, a, I really like uh baritone voice, and there aren't that many pop groups, rock groups that. Have a baritone singer, right? They tend to be, uh, you know, tenors or or something. That's between, why you but like
1: the like... Halo Benders guy.
2: Or the, I couldn't uh... explain in a million years why I like the Halo <laughs> Benders guy. He's such a terrible singer. He does have a very, he's a very deep voice. What's there's the that. other one? The magnetic, uh, but fields like the magnetic, or something? Yeah. the magnetic fields. Uh, he, he, Stephen Merritt's got a deep baritone. Um, there, the there's a band called. um uh-oh. It's they're not called uh oh. Oh, I forgot you the can't name say of the that.
1: Band. You can't say oops. We've <laughs> talked about this. In a debate, in a nationally televised debate, when you're <laughs> trying to become the president of the United States, you can't name two of the three things and then go oops. It's something oh, you boy, can that's... never recover from.
2: <laughs> that's very it's very poor that I did that. Hold on. Uh <laughs>
1: Uh, I, just to uh, sort of like with the other one that I uh, hadn't bottom
2: heard. of the Hudson. The, it's called Bottom of the Hudson. is an is an indie band that uh. Uh, also has a, a a singer with a very deep voice. Um. Uh. So it's not just uh, Crash Test Dummies. <laughs> yeah, saying.
1: Crash Test Dummies too. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, sort of like the uh, other one that so, I hadn't heard of. Uh, just to rattle off some of the things I heard in there, I heard some Modest Mouse, um, and a couple of other two uh, thousands. Uh, groups, um, then you can definitely sort of see the relationship or at least the evolution like where where they fit in the time. I would round, say so
2: and, and there's, I think the horns come in prominently in one other song on the record and in that one, and in this one a little bit, they really remind me of the horns in uh, Sufjan Stevens's, uh big record Illinois.
1: Mm. It's time for me to say oops because I don't know what that
2: is. Okay, well, it's uh... yep. <laughs> this is a a very popular, very indie uh, record of the of the two thousands. I see. Okay. All about the state of Illinois.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Is it super patriotic about Illinois, or is it kind of a bummer? Well, it
2: was a follow up to his other his first record, Michigan. Oh boy. So
1: okay, I see what we're doing. It was going to be a
2: project, but eventually he just started doing other stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I don't so blame it. Real good stuff.
1: He should have started with more exciting states then maybe he would have kept going.
2: I think these were states that where he lived. <clears throat> I think that's why he started with them. Um, Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was Fake Empire by The National. I
1: liked it. I thought it was good. Um, why don't we jump into another, uh, let's, let's, uh, jump back a a little bit further to the late sixties. Um, the analogy I've been using for this, for this song is like how action movies kept evolving and evolving and evolving until 1996 when you got The Rock. And I consider that to be like the, sort of the zenith. (laughs) <laughs> like like every and it all evolved to this point where the rock is basically a giant action movie trope, but is still somehow enjoyable.
2: It's a very good movie. I think. I mean, Sean Connery is a big part of it.
1: Yeah, but it's even. I mean, it's got all. It's got all the tropes. It's got Nick Cage in it for one. I mean, he was in like fifty mm-hmm. action movies in the late nineties and early two thousands and stuff. Um, you know, the best action movie ever is probably Terminator Two, but the one that's most like an action movie is The Rock. And to me, this next track is like all of the tricks that Motown had ever come up with. Everything that they ever did at Hitsville in Detroit all had kind of evolved in the late 60s to the point where when David Ruffin was forced out of The Temptations for being on so many drugs that uh, when it came time to do his record, they just like, they knew exactly how to do it up real right. It's Yep. One of my favorite Motown records, they didn't promote it because they were very mad at him for behaving badly. And so it never really <laughs> charted and his career didn't take off and he died in the fucking gutter or whatever. Um, but my whole world ended uh, off of the album of the same name it is uh, an unbelievable track album. <laughs> Talk about overproduction, that's the song. apartment there. Sometimes Marjan and I play a game where we try to figure out who is on the Mount Rushmore of um, pop music voices. And mm-hmm. our, our, our Mount Rushmores look very different. But David Ruffin is an easy entry onto mine, even though you can only have four. For all the work he did with The Temptations and his solo work. The grit, the wailing. Uh, guy had essentially a perfect tool but...
2: Do you have him on there a, with... with with Levi?
1: I have, I have him ahead of Levi, just based on vocal quality. Okay. Levi... No one has ever sung with more emotion than Levi. <laughs> no one ever wanted it more than Levi. <laughs> but just in terms of vocal quality, I, I just... Uh, David Ruffin was a, a beast. He was beastly.
2: Even if you factor in the fact that uh, the other guy's name is Levi Stubbs... He has a
1: wonderful name.
2: <laughs> it's a great name. Um... That song that we just heard yeah, It really is as if Someone wrote on A, a slip of paper uh, On an individual slips of paper Every single technique
1: yeah, just use That them all. has
2: ever been used in a Motown song And threw them in a hat And then David Ruffin just walked up and turned the hat over
1: <laughs> Yeah they're like hey, actually, said, No what we're they doing told them all them, Yeah what they told him was pick three and yeah, went, We'll pull five that. of
2: these and we'll do them And he's like nope Um like uh, like Fake Empire, it is a it's also a, a crescendo. Yeah. Uh, every verse has a new instrument, so it it takes a crescendo all the way up to the key change, and the, there are no more new instruments after the key change. But the key change in itself. Um, is uh, the Although after crescendo. the key change, the the chorus that follows the key change, the the orchestration is different in that it plays the vocal melody instead of yes all of the flourishes that it was playing before.
1: You have listened to this song enough times. I've listened to it a lot, <laughs> and I've listened the to, to it things. carefully. Yeah,
2: and um, I I would love to have the stems for this. Yeah, um,
1: it's a piece of work, it, well, dude. So, it's like this is like a monument to Motown because shortly after this, it becomes the 70s, and most of Motown moves to LA and yes. stops being anything important. And only Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye really maintain any kind of of important work on Motown's labels or sub-labels or whatever. And this is kind of like eh, the end of an era kind of thing.
2: Uh, a fun thing to do, if you ever get sick of listening to that track, and I i know that's not a real scenario, right. uh, is to pick one instrument and listen to it.
1: You just listen to what it does like, the whole time, yeah.
2: And I recommend the lead guitar. Oh, yeah. It never stops playing.
1: And it's, he play, like, it plays a kind of farty. It's pretty good.
2: During during the verses under David Ruffin, he's doing a ton of shit.
1: That's the thing, man. They hired real musicians and they didn't tell them not to play.
2: Yeah, they're they like, didn't hire. They didn't. They weren't paying them to be quiet.
1: They're like, "Hey, James Jamerson, you want to play the bass?" Um, and he's like, "Yeah, can I play everything though? Can I just play? Can I play a million things?" And they, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Use your best judgment. <laughs> I don't know.
2: And, and just uh. <laughs> I love I think my favorite verse is in the in the second verse hmm. when the oboe comes in underneath. Mm, yeah, super super quiet. <laughs>
1: it's right, just layering, dude. It's all about layering because they have 500 it's things just, happening.
2: It just gives you something to listen to every time just like pick out and then you know the strings come in on the third verse over the the flutes there the whole time, the oboe comes in on two, strings come in on three, key change.
1: Normally, um, I'd be afraid of this song overpowering the rest of the record, but on this record are songs like Pieces of a Man, I've Lost Everything I've Ever Loved, song. The Double Cross, World of Darkness. This is a fucking boss album.
2: Yeah, not songs that most people know.
1: Yeah, again, they didn't want him to, be, they like, they wanted him to go away quietly.
2: But, uh, but very strong. Um, yeah, that's a great song. Uh, this is, again, not giving anything away. It was on both of our lists. Yeah. Um one of the reasons I knew we would have to do the draft was that particular song. Right. Um real solid. Nothing uh nothing I can play will will really follow that, but I'm going to play um Frank Sinatra by Cake.
1: I think that was on both of our lists as well.
2: Yeah.
4: so
9: truth beyond your latest ad campaign there's one element that we're missing
1: cake
4: okay. there we go sits
9: collecting stamps in a room all filled with chinese lamps he save what others throw away he says that he'll be rich someday
2: I mean every cake song eventually devolves into a huge jam. Yeah, it does. Um which is why it's very surprising that I can tolerate it at all. But uh that so this uh this song a lot of people had the experience that that we would have had with this, which is nobody ever heard of Cake, they were a Sacramento band. This isn't their first album, it's their second album. Right. Uh then Going the Distance became a weird radio hit.
1: Yep. And there were cool things about it. And you're like, okay, I kind of get it. That's kind of cool. Cool, deep, fuzzy, farty guitar. And some yes. sweet horns.
2: Yes, and you're like, alright, there's this is cool. Like They're doing a, a thing. Yeah. There's no one else like this. So I'll go get the record. And then... Uh, Frank Sinatra, this first track, has everything that's in Going the Distance.
1: But it's 50 times as cool.
2: But it's way cooler. But it's, it's like, okay... They sound like what I was expecting them to sound like, but this is much better. I thought I was getting into another presidents of the United States of America situation here. <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: Um, but there's something something happening here that I like. I mean it had some other elements that uh, we've seen in common. Um the song itself isn't real doesn't really spend a long time building the the orchestration, but we get the quiet pass of it. Yeah and then a little interlude, and then the full volume pass of it, where all the instruments are there, and then the horns come in last, which that usually happens in Cake. Yeah. Either do. the horns start the whole song out, or they come in after about a minute.
1: I just like to think of it as delayed gratification, because that's the part that always makes me go, oh, okay, yeah.
2: yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, it is, because he's not doing anything... The The interesting thing he's doing with his guitar is the way it's engineered. It's the fact that it's an acoustic guitar with a... uh. With an acoustic pickup in the sound hole being run through an electric guitar amp, right? Like that's what's interesting about the the guitar, because he's just playing chords.
1: Yes, and never uh, very complicated. But then a it, lot of times he'll play the same chord fifty times in a row.
2: Yes, it's the, but it's the way the trumpet lines float through that. Yeah, like they're the legato element in his very staccato guitar playing, um, and he. Of course, his his singing is very staccato too. Yes. So uh, the the horns are the different element in Cake that always the part that has
1: always made them special. That I wish everyone else would adopt because yes. I love it so much. I love the mariachi horns. Um, Please put them in your music.
2: Yeah. yeah well, uh, again, not not the only song on my list that has a horn section, right? No, that's right yeah. They came in at the end of Fake Empire.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, of course, Crazy in Love.
1: <laughs> yes, which is all all very brassy. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I don't
2: think there's any brass in the Infanta, but it's you know whatever.
1: I think I think Frank Sinatra is the coolest song on an unassailably cool record.
2: So. Yes. Yeah. Um. It's not. By the way, it's not my favorite song on that album. Uh, I could not explain it, but my favorite in a million years, my favorite song is "She'll Come Back to Me," which is I love it. I love the it so least much. cake-like song on the record. It's
1: got that steel guitar, or slide at yep. least. And uh, it's, that's a pedal steel. Okay, and it's and uh, it's all twangy, and I love it so much. But I think my favorite song on that record is "It's Coming Down." But there are lots of good songs. Uh, lots there are many,
2: many good songs to choose from. Probably no one's favorite song: "The Distance."
1: That's right. Exactly correct. Which is so. I mean, it's. I, I guess but this I, happened
2: with Weezer too, right? Like Weezer's first hit was the sweater song, and yeah. Nobody cares.
1: And their first set off Pinkerton was basically a suicide attempt, right? They're like, "Can no one buy any of this, please?" El
2: yeah, they, they tried to. They tried to Marvin Gaye it for sure <laughs> right. with El Scorcho. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I have a lot of memories of of this cake album. I uh, and it, um, by the way, huge, huge departure from their first record, which is a super cool record too. But the first one is even more mariachi and a lot less fuzzy. And this one. Not only does Frank Sinatra start with some well, it's, real it's... artificial music with some fake drumming and some synthesizer before it jumps into the real instrumentation when he sings the words Frank Sinatra, eh, eh, but also the whole record's farty and fuzzy. So.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, that, by the way, that first record, uh, Motorcade of Generosity. Yeah. Uh, wait, yes?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's super cool, and it has maybe the best cake song on it, which is uh, Jolene.
1: I love J- Talk about a jam. If not, you don't like jam bands, how can you even like that?
2: <laughs> not, 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 a, not a cover of Dolly Parton's Jolene, by yeah, the way. Which is also uh, a song I enjoy. And was a track one, by the just way. Sh- just shares the name. Um, oh, didn't make the list, huh?
1: It didn't make my final cut, but I, I thought okay. about it for a while. I didn't think the record overall very, was strong enough.
2: It's a very strong song. Um, but But this and all subsequent Cake albums were engineered by a real engineer. <laughs> yes, uh, and it it makes a big difference because the worst part of Motorcade of Generosity is it's very quiet and it's not it's not lovingly engineered. No,
1: that's true. But it's got cool songs on. It's got Haze Which, of is Love. A, uh, is this love? Uh, yeah, lots of good ones.
2: It's an odd thing to say about a band where the instruments sound so farty and weird, but like they it warrants serious treatment by an actual sound engineer.
1: The difference is pretty clear if you listen to them back to back. Yeah. Alright, uh, boy, this is gonna be a three-hour pod. Okay, uh, let's move on to my next one, then. Yeah, uh, right. I'll, What I'll say about it is, this is also a cover. Um, and I wanted to penalize it, but I, th- it's just such a perfect song that I didn't know how to penalize it for not being original. Uh, it's Respect by Aretha Franklin. Ugh. Muscle Schultz, playing some northern music.
2: Fucking Muscle Schultz.
1: Never sings a line straight Nope to me,
2: dude. Oh, I know.
4: Oh,
1: man. So you see what I mean? It's essentially Um, a perfect song.
2: Yeah, I love so much about it. Muscle Shoals is... No other production team in history is so good at giving you just exactly enough guitar.
1: Yeah, and
2: once after that opening where they play like six notes on the guitar, there's no more guitar in the song. Yeah, it doesn't come back; it's just done. But it had to start with that.
1: The recording of this album and some of her other Muscle Shoals albums—they're all they're like music legends. Just everything yes. that went into what happened. I'll just say about this album. It has respect. It has I never loved a man the way I love you. It has do right woman, do right man. Those are three sort of all timers. And to be let off with respect, which I'm not insulting Otis when I say that Otis's version is my second favorite version of that song. Because he couldn't ever hope way- to attain number one. It is an unbelievable song by Otis.
2: Yes his his version of respect is amazing
1: and very different and, and he wrote it but
2: not too many people are going to get a leg up on Otis yeah. doing an Otis song like most I'm sure that English people never stop trying but he's best left alone because he did it right
1: Now the thing about respect is it's it's like it's the least muddy and most northern of all of her Muscle Shoals songs,
2: yes, yeah, and
1: it's also I think the bit the most. It's kind of like a good time song. You get into stuff like um, chain Chain of Fools and uh, you know, oh, that is muddy. Never loved a man and do right woman, do right man. They're all a little bit sadder and more somber, and especially yeah, Chain of Fools on the on the other record is is muddy as hell. But uh, just great great stuff all around. Good job uh, Aretha, and good job me. I picked it. So good job me.
2: I think um it was a hit for Otis, right? Yes. So I think that she had a little bit uh a little bit of luxury here in that everyone knows how this song goes. Yep. She can really go off book with it.
1: yeah she did. <laughs> it's like, it's extremely like you said she doesn't,
2: she doesn't treat you to one straight line.
1: No, I think she felt like she had the pipes, so she should use them, and so she won't give you a straight take on anything. She won't sing the melody. She'll sing whatever she wants, in whatever rhythm and cadence, and or she just, just kind of does her own thing. And you go, okay, that's fine. Her skinny, pretty sisters are singing back up, keeping the thing on, on track. So Right.
2: It's it's almost like this is a variation on the theme of respect.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's coming in, she's counting on you to know the song Respect. Yeah. And that's why she can um, make it her own plaything. It's a, it's an amazing version of a really, really good song. Yeah. And uh, absolutely belongs uh, number one. Like I said, uh, I have this on an anthology for her. Yes. And uh, I didn't go through and check all of the anthology songs, but it's... Uh, be very hard not to have that in there.
1: Yeah. You're up.
2: Um, When I played The Love I'm Searching For, I said that it was my least justifiable song. Okay. This is the song I can least explain being on this list in the sense that I'm not 100% sure what it is that makes this uh, one of my top 10 track ones. I just... Every time I went through, it was impossible to cut. Uh, this is a this is by a band called Ted Leo and the Pharmacists. Okay. And uh, Ted Leo is kind of like an old punk guy, kind but like, but uh, now he's like in his
1: like the Lust for Your Life. Like Lust, in his Lust 40s. For Life Guy, what's the name of the guy? Iggy Pop. Like Iggy Pop.
2: Not like not that old. Okay, okay. <laughs> but like now he's now he's in his forties, and instead of singing the same kind of crazy punk songs he's kind of like you know there's a lot of songs in here about how do you address on this record how do you address protesting and activism with needing to lead lead your life and raise children and stuff like that anyway this song is called me and mia and it's about eating disorders of all things but it's the first song on uh on this ted leo record um like i said never could cut it so here it is as I was walking through a life one morning The sun was out, the air was warm But
4: oh, oh, oh I was cold and Though I must have looked a half a person To tell the tale in my own version It was oh, oh, only then that I felt whole Just let you disappear Now doctors know your mom and dad But me and me and Ellen and Anna Know how hard you try Don't you see it in my eyes? Sick to death of You can try, and all it's your pride i well, the a bourgeois social angel Telling you you've got to change Don't have any idea They'll never seem so clear
2: So I think for me, this one principally fell into the category of strong ending. Right, right. Um, And then there are some things like the way they use the sort of dub section twice to break up the harder parts Mm -hmm. and to restate the chorus at an unexpected time. I think there's some things happening there, but it's kind of like, I don't know if I just am... Well, I've, I don't know, I've had this album for at least six or seven years. I don't know if I'm just adult enough to appreciate an adult take on punk, or yeah. if something else is happening, but uh, it's a real solid album, and uh, it's a good way to start it, and uh, I just couldn't cut it.
1: Yeah, just listening to it for the first time, there were a lot of really unexpected um, uh, progressions, where I didn't always yes. know where the um, the melody was going to go next, and that always keeps me listening for more. And I thought it was like a good uh kind of uh, pop punk uh track mm-hmm. one for an album that I would be interested to hear. So I liked it.
2: Yep. That's uh the album is called Shake the Sheets. It's by uh Ted Leo and the pharmacists.
1: Nice. Alrighty. Um uh let's let's just let's hit this one more Motown act. <laughs> So this is going to be uh, uh, Where Did Our Love Go by The Supremes. This, is, this beat out a lot of really good Supremes track ones that included yes. things like Reflections, Someday We'll Be Together, Love Child, You Keep Me Hanging On. Did I already say love's like an itching in my heart? I don't know.
2: You did not, but... Yeah. They
1: knew how to start an album. <laughs> and um
2: they did it does seem like they front-loaded it or at least a lot of their track ones became hits.
1: Yeah. And I think I I picked this one because one it really kicked off the important part of their career before this. Right.
2: This is pretty early.
1: They had been kind of floundering. They were clearly the C team among Motown's girl groups and they kind of lucked into this song as we've talked about a few times on this show. Uh when Martha and the Vandellas went, mm, this song isn't really us. We don't want it. You can pass that down to whoever. <laughs> and the Supremes were like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, we'll uh, we'll take it. We'll take this song. We will go. We'll run with this." And, uh, and they had like fourteen number one hits after that, or something. So, uh, so where 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 did our uh, where did our love go by the Supremes? Like one of the signposts along the Motown journey, if you kind of consider songs like "Shop Around" as the earliest successful part mm-hmm. of Motown, right? This one is like you're entering the the real prime of Motown, along with some of the Temptation songs that are that are contemporary to this. You get into stuff that I played earlier, like um, uh, "Reach Out, I'll Be There." And some of the later HDH, it's kind of like right in the middle of it. And then, like I said, you get to the where it's it's basically ending. But they've they've honed the craft, and that's when you get into that David Ruffin solo stuff and and some of the late Temptations. Um, but just so much prototypical stuff in here that's gonna come back in so many Supreme songs, including that real farty saxophone break.
2: Yeah. It's um, it's such an interesting song because it has such a feeling of being unfinished. Yeah, like the uh, there's like
1: they're clapping those wood blocks fo- together, foley
2: work, and and sort of what sounds like practice room piano. Mm-hmm. But then they overlay that with maybe a vibraphone. I'm not sure if it's a xylophone or vibes. It's a little low in the mix. It's the same thing they use. Definitely on, um, baby love something you hit with a mallet for sure and um, and then there are drums over the f- over the hand claps and wood blocks etc mm-hmm. uh, but they're not really distinct from them right and then that last verse seems out of place to me always has like the song feels like it it should just go like have a musical outro and then all of a sudden there's that last verse and then 10 seconds later the song's over.
1: Yeah. And um what I'll say is I appreciate in the last round of where did our love go, she goes back to singing the opening line which is maybe don't leave me. Yes. While there while the backup singers are singing where did our love go, which is always really good. And uh just the fact that they are not afraid to drop the instruments Except for the drums, every once in a while, um, just for so the backup singers. Well, it's got say. a
2: super strong start. Yeah. Um, just the just the percussion that the song opens with. By the way, uh, if you if you get a chance when you're editing, just look at the waveform <laughs> yeah, really? for this song. Uh, it's just like uh, if the bell of a trumpet was coming out of another trumpet over and over again is what the waveform looks like because those wood blocks or whatever have such a such a strong attack right. and such a fast decay. Uh, it, I mean, it's a, it's a very unforgettable opening.
1: Yeah, I read a story once about what they were trying to do in the beginning there and they had hand claps and it just didn't seem like there was enough going on or whatever. So they got some wood blocks together and they were clapping them together and those weren't really sounding right, so they put them under their shoes, like taped into their shoes and they were stomping in them. And like they were like, trying their best to come up with something that sounded robust and cool, and that's what they uh, they yeah. ended up with.
2: Uh, but a great I mean it's there's nothing else quite like it.
1: Launched their career, great album, other songs on the album, Baby Love. Uh, when the love lights start shining through his eyes, come see about me. Some of the early big ones. So, oh,
2: God, come see about me. Yeah, dude.
1: And again, dude, H D H is so good. It's just they got yeah. on the H D H train like the four tops, and they both those groups just wrote it out from there. So, uh, yeah.
2: But it's 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 uh, that song feels like this. They knew it was so good that they could not wait to get it out, and they're <laughs> yeah. like. No, it's good enough like this.
1: If we have to release like, like a sa- Motown's going to release six singles this week, so we have to. We, we just got to keep this fucking factory going.
2: Saxophone's too low in the mix. It would take another three minutes to do a pass where it's mixed higher, and they're like, "No, nah, that's fine. It's fine." <laughs> yeah.
1: But you'll see, all the elements of this song come back over and over again in all future Supreme songs, at least until the Love Child era. So.
2: Yes. Um right, we're getting
1: close. I've done nine, you've done eight.
2: That's right. Uh so for my ninth uh pick here, and of course there's no way to order these songs, right? Yeah. Like this is not a one to ten scenario. This is
1: Yeah, yeah, the mine is not in any particular order at all.
2: Yeah. Uh this is a song um uh, it's called Will My Feet Still Carry Me Home. Uh it's by a band called Elf Power.
1: Think I have heard of Elf Power, but only from you.
2: Right. Uh well they're another one of these nineties uh indie darlings. Um by which I mean you might you might hear their name in uh another band song about obscure bands. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of indie darling. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of the Telecraft song, Pop Songs Your New Boyfriend's Too Stupid to Know About, and I don't think Elf Power actually gets name-checked, but it's but that kind of kind thing. they're the
1: kind that would be in yes. similar songs.
2: Um, this is a song, it just has a really solid hook. The album is very good. It's got a strong beat. Um, the singing is not quite Diana Ross quality, because it's an indie band. But I'll stop <laughs> apologizing for it. I really love this song. It's off a very strong album. It's uh, Will My Feet Still Carry Me Home. Happens for the rest of that song. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, it does a couple of things. I like every time the music drops out and you just get that quick little guitar riff. Yep. Uh, just kind of like. it all comes right back in.
1: Yeah, they don't lose the momentum for long. They don't, like, do a. F- it doesn't. They don't I, do I, I think it doesn't Stones. even drop a whole beat. Yeah. Right. They don't do a Rolling Stones where they go, yeah, you know what, we're just going to kill all our momentum because I think it's, I think we should. I think it's funny. Like in... There's a
2: there's four or five really really strong songs on this record. It's it's kind of a long album. It's got 14 songs on it, but uh, we dream in sound, the well, Simon, etc. So there there's a there's good stuff on there. It all sounds a little bit like that. This is one of the well, it's not the most up tempo, but it's it's got the most driving beat I think of most of the most of the songs on there. So it's uh, it just starts strong with the drum beat and uh, has some musical interest.
1: To me it kinda sounds like um uh Dinosaur Junior meets Weezer with an uh, Indie Singer. Does that make sense? Doesn't matter if it makes sense. That's what it sounded like. I mean
2: it does <laughs> kind of make sense.
1: <laughs> um you like Dinosaur Jr., right?
2: I like the first ten seconds of Feel the Pain. Okay. And so then no. <laughs> I mean I have I have that record. Uh um it comes right after Death Clock in my uh, artist list. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> That's the used proof. To seeing the two of them together. Um, yeah, uh, I like that. I like that album. I don't know. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. never, never did it for me. That's uh, from 1999, by the way. So it's not recent indie music. Okay.
1: All right. Well, one more. Unless you got, what are you going
2: to take us out on?
1: Uh, So we talked earlier about... I think we only briefly mentioned that hip-hop albums aren't good for this. Because they all want to start with some kind of weird intro or interlude or whatever. Usually
2: a skit. A skit. And, yeah.
1: and that doesn't really compete with some of the stuff on these lists.
2: Yeah, there's a high percentage of hip-hop albums that really start on track two. Yeah.
1: And while it would be tempting to just use those as the track one. And I don't know if it's really legit, but there was one that we found that I know we both considered pretty deep into it. And that made my list, Um, which it was, it was
2: one of the last songs I cut
1: a great album that was out of place in the era that it was released in the mid nineties when only gangster rap could sell a record. Uh, this is a real, it's either um, kind of inspirational or at the very least fun-loving record uh, by a guy named Skilo who everyone will remember for I Wish. Uh, but the whole album's really cool, and there are a lot of good songs on it. And this is one of my favorites. It's uh, Superman by ski Yeah,
2: and remember that this is 1995.
1: sampling the Isley Brothers, as rappers are wont to do. <laughs> kind of a long intro that will be worth it once he gets going.
6: Why is it in my garage? Sometimes I'm coming to your boots and keep a vlog. must be crazy. So your down for the 80s. Look at that, that's your lady. Why she look like Brady? Shady business. Wanna stop and look at my profile. People like me be catching girls with go hats and hard gals. Staff, skip, I can't do it every time I rhyme. Quantum sleep, still so my shit for the cat that food this time. Cause I'm the, the Mr. Naminamita, with bad name. Now I'm gonna live forever. Never say die. eye that black eye with a black eye patch. of that trick? y'all, look at my watch. I gotta shake this rock so loud. Look at this brother with steps. Think his name is Excuse Look at the me the Watch that holy cow. A bunga, hunger. Couple of signs from these trees. The day that I became an MC. It was the day that I became the super. It was the day that I became the Superman. What the Superman? The day that I became the super. It was the day that I became the Superman. Superman, the day that I became the super, with the day that I became the Superman. the Superman? The day that I became the superman With the
1: day that I became the Superman. Now date yourself.
6: <laughs> I'm your idol like Michael, so won't you beat it. I'm better like Shredder. I joined the foot. Now I can't be defeated. Mistreated MCs like it was the 80s. My style is tighter than the wet leather so than a 255-pound lady. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you should check that. Pop this in your tape deck. Play me in your cassette. On Channel 7, use it 11. these fools get hurt? Have you more confused than a Christian? Read the Bible in the Muslim church. Come down to earth. Now act some stuff as it works your title and the rap recital. I've been vital since my birth. MCs get baited cause I'm overrated. And if you lasted, you ran, but I can blast it when you you made it, I'm the most hated MC Just like the Omen, you'll be out like last year Looking like Gary Colvin Cause no man, no children, a woman can get with the super I got the West Coast sold up And i am up your spot trooper And ain't no to be continued When I get in you, you get looser Hope that you get looser. looser, So shut up and start thinking Before I leave you dangling for my mic cord. And you send me swinging The day that I became the super Was the day that I became the superman What the the superman The day that I became the super
1: We don't actually need the, the third verse. There's some entertaining stuff in it, but it's it's uh, it's not very different.
2: Um, it's um, yeah. Go uh, ahead, it's your song,
1: dude. Just fucking flow from the get go. Uh, again, mid '90s, I think of anybody who was like selling records then, he had he was the flow leader in the clubhouse for sure.
2: Oh yeah, I mean this is '95, so like, <sighs> Snoop Dogg has had his major release. Yep, that's got some flow. Yeah, yeah. It, S- Snoop got flow,
1: but it's a much um, it's a much chiller flow.
2: But you know, before before that,
1: before the Chronic, it was a
2: lot of rapping to the beat.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I like to always go. <laughs> I rap. To the beat. I said, I rap to the beat. That's what rapping was. Before the chronic. Even stuff
2: like um, Ice Cube. Ice Cube already had a record by this time.
1: Yeah, he must have.
2: He's got some flow if you count just rage. If rage (laughs) is flow.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of rappers that came after... I don't know whether it was accidental or if they meant to model themselves after it, but a, I see a lot of Skelos style in later rap groups and rappers and specifically Eminem. I think
2: M- Eminem There's a heavy a lo- influence. is a lot like this, but five years later. Yeah. Uh,
1: all the things he does where he changes up the rhythm real sudden like and kind of the sillier says too many words says too many words for the (laughs) amount of space that he has uh yeah all that stuff i think i think there's a pretty direct correlation between the two but i mean it's just a badass record um i wish is obviously a cool song but there's also like top of the stairs and and some some other ones on there that are really good so just a cool cool mid-90s hip-hop record
2: that's part of what's so great about this record is like you bought it because you heard i wish yeah and that's kind of a silly song. Yes. Um and then you put it on and then this song starts and it, yeah, it's got does it have silly elements? Yes. Does he talk about the Ninja Turtles a little
1: maybe bit? Maybe he did. Yeah, maybe.
2: He may have said that he was like Shredder <laughs> and mentioned the Foot Clan. It may have happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he embarrassed more people are on there national silly television elements?
1: than Richard Bay
2: that's correct if are, remembers who that are, is are there silly elements in the other songs yes but is did he there once, interesting stuff happening
1: did he once get busy in a winchels
2: well check his credentials
1: <laughs> real talk
2: please check his credentials yep and then I think you'll know the answer to that that important and popular question so
1: this track is uh, the same tr- it's sampled from the same isley brothers track that big papa by uh, notorious big is sampled from it's two different yes. parts of the song Cause uh, this is like the break it down mode of that Isley Brothers song that he samples for this one. Um, but yeah, it's a very, it's a great track, great way to get you into the record. I love driving to that song; it gets me fucking pumped. So
2: uh, it is very strong, and uh, you know, Skilo did not get uh, did not get his due. No, I think. Because he wasn't rapping about killing people and doing cool murders.
1: Yeah, his self-deprecating style did not get him very far.
2: He was rapping about how he used to wish he had a Honda Accord, and that was not like uh, (laughs) that wasn't what people were. That wasn't what was street. No, that wasn't what was hot on the street. He was doing his taxes, basically. Exactly. Uh, And yeah, so. But I love that Uh, record. I love really. Yeah, it's a super good record. It's uh, it's a you. The rare hip hop record that you can listen to from beginning to end, yeah, or at least that I can listen to without skipping some dumb skit or something. Yeah. In the end, does he list everything on the McDonald's menu? Yes, he does. Not important. However, not important. <laughs> Still a good song. <laughs> um.
1: All right, that's it for he me. Just leaves,
2: just leaves one song left, and I staggered this one to the end because I I uh, played uh, around here at the beginning with my. Uh, <laughs> in my also rands my honorable mentions um their second uh record ken and crow's second record was uh recovering the satellites and a second record is scary
1: yeah especially if you had success if you, with if the you first really one. got
2: into a, if you really get into a debut record and then you're like all right here's the new shit uh is it gonna be anything and then you put it on so i think making a strong statement on your second record is important yeah it uh, can really really pump you up so you don't have a you don't have to go back to tower records at midnight to buy <laughs> twelve girls band
1: to buy a cake record a pot u s a record and a twelve girls day twelve girls what are they called twelve girls band record band and you can and you at the end of the day the twelve girls band is the best of the records <laughs> yeah
2: uh important to to set a tone so that that doesn't happen uh this is the this is the first song from recovering the satellites it's called catapults.
1: i glad you played that all the way to the end, because it has a strong ending.
2: Uh, it does, especially, uh, especially since the next song, Angels of the Silences, starts uh, pretty hard, yeah. right at the moment that song ends.
1: So not only was this their second record, but this, I mean, they were not immune to the mid-90s. Because this record is a lot harder than August and Everything After, which I think is a lot
5: mm,
1: slower, a little bit more... Contemplative, but this one, mm-hmm. "Angels of the Silences," I think was the first hit off the record, and it was. Yes, uh, it's a lot f- faster and fuzzier. Um, "Catapult" you just heard is is pretty fuzzy and a little bit heavy. Um, songs like "Children in Bloom" and and even "Recovering the Satellites" is kind of a cool '90s song. So, um,
2: right, it was a, I mean, it was a different. August record. And everything after. Came out before grunge hit big. Yeah, and recovering the satellites was in 1996. Right. So like right in the middle of it. Like that's got to be the year that Razorblade Suitcase came out. Or <laughs> yeah, <right>. exactly.
1: <laughs> or uh, it was certainly around then. Yeah. yeah. But that's a cool song. um It's got the kind of the cool organ or synthesizer or intro, whatever it is. Um, yes. Yeah, Razorblade Suitcase, 1996.
2: It does some of the some of the same things that we've heard in other things. Uh, there's a little reset before every verse. Yeah. They don't drop a beat or anything, but the the sound drops out from the chorus before the next verse. So um, that you know, it's a nice break.
1: Um, Wailing guitar break.
2: Yep, exactly. Uh, there are additional instruments are layered in a little bit as you go through the song. There's a synthesizer that sounds like a melodeon or something that comes in for the all of these quiet, battered voices verse, whichever right. one that is, second or third. Yeah. Um so yeah. It's uh uh this was their last good record, I think.
1: I think that's fair to say for sure.
2: And it but it was it's a really good record. Yeah, I still like despite the fact that the song everybody remembers from it is probably long December. Yes.
1: I still like uh, August and Everything After better as a record, Um, but this is a... I think it is a better record. This is a really strong record, and that's a strong song, so... I get it. I'm with you. Dog, I think we made our longest podcast.
2: We did. Um, So, you know, these lists obviously are... We didn't go out and do outside research. These are based on the records that are in our personal collections. Well, as they should be. Uh, Fuck, is,
1: this is a personal thing. What, am I supposed to decide what everyone else thought was the best number one track? Like I- Exactly. Yeah,
2: There was a song in there from your collection that I'd never heard. I sprung a few on you
1: yeah.
2: from the, some of the deeper cuts in mine. And, uh, you know, as usual, we played a lot of Motown. That's right. <laughs> but it's, it's never going to not happen. Far from the course. Um, but yeah, it was a a fun little project, especially one that really took a lot less time to pull together than I was expecting.
1: Yeah. Uh, people, uh, people can tell us what their favorite track ones are if they tweet at us. Yeah, absolutely. That can be in the next mailbag.
2: That's right, because unfortunately... Next week is a Star Trek week, man. I'm at zero of five. Me too. I gotta watch all of these shits. Yeah,
1: it's okay. We got we got some time. We got some time still.
2: <laughs> if you're playing along with that project, and uh, Ben already sent his notes in, Ben's I haven't in a read them yet, but he got he f- obviously felt bad about being burned on week 17. <laughs> got his week week 18 picks in right quick. Uh, for next week, we are watching Arena mm. Coming of Age.
1: Yeah, we are duet all right i like how where this is going
2: projection everyone knows
1: that's the best episode
2: and acquisition
1: must be good because it's enterprise i feel Um, see how encouraging that was don't you feel good now are you ready to watch them
2: no i think you should go into it with a good attitude you'll enjoy it more uh that's what we're doing for for next week um we'll be back in two weeks with another mailbag um, like matt said you can tweet at us uh at brother date if there's something you want uh we read them all we read every single one yeah really
1: so. i don't think there's ever been one that we didn't read so do it everyone
2: so feel free um otherwise uh thanks for listening to three and a half hours of us play music Kind of became a radio show this week.
1: That's fine. Adios, muchachos. Yeah. Oh, I felt fine afterward. Did you? Eat- oh,
2: that's cool. I spent the whole weekend pooping. <laughs> Just all of it. <laughs>